Hello and welcome to the spoiler log and a link to the past randomizer podcast. I'm your host, Dante. This is episode 20. We've got Bidey on the show today. I know we just talked to Bidey over on the Go Mode podcast, but he's been an interesting character. I've, I've learned a little bit about him and I was like, I want to talk to this guy and he does not disappoint. Luckily, this week, there's not too much news. Usually no news is good news. And that's what we like. Things are moving smoothly over at the ALTTPR League. Another thing that we do like, smoothness, no issues. But uh, yeah, uh, spoiler pilot's coming up soon. And uh, man, piloting's hard, guys. This is the first year I've really tried being a pilot. And I did it a little bit earlier this year for fun. And now working with Andy and Matt, uh, it's it's been it's it's challenging. It's definitely chaotic. You definitely have to be on your A game, and so does the runner. So I'm glad this mode's back in league. Looking forward to seeing that. But let's switch on over. Let's go talk to Bitey. Uh, it's a long one. I hope you guys enjoy. It's a great listen. Uh, I I enjoyed listening to this bag while editing it, and hope you guys enjoy it too. Today we have. Bitey again, uh, and I felt like we needed to talk to Bitey a little more than we did on Go Mode. Uh, so, Bitey, how's it going? Good, good. I'm glad to be here again. Really excited to be on a um, different part of the show this time. <laughs> I'm glad you decided to uh, take me up on the offer. There was there was like so little time. We wanted to talk so much about the mentor tournament. I'm going to try not to talk about that a lot today, but uh, it, it's obviously going to come up. Uh, but there was, sure. there's so much about you that I've heard and kind of got pieces of from our convos when setting up and, uh, for, for GMP recording, I figured I want to get to know Bidey a little better. So I'm really glad you, uh, <laughs> like I said, I'm really thankful that you, uh, took me up on the, the invitation. Sure. Yeah. No problem. All right. So let's, let's turn the clock way back. Uh, obviously we know, uh, we, we kind of discussed on GMP that you are, uh, not from originally like the United States or North America, Canada per se. Uh, so back where you grew up was gaming, uh, a big part of your life. Yeah. Well, hundred percent. I've been gaming since I could probably walk. Um, okay. I think we had our first console in our house. Uh, we didn't do like the NES or, um, anything before that. We kind of have, a, I kind of have a weird progression with how gaming started for me. So I actually started with a Super Nintendo. That was the first console that I had. We got it when I was very young. I think I was maybe four or five when we got it. Okay. Um, started playing on that and like, yeah, ever since then I've been gaming ever since I've loved gaming. Um, I think the very first game I played was Super Mario World. It came up in conversation the other day and then sort of moved on to some other games. There was like Super Mario Kart, Super Tennis, uh, Zelda, Link to the Past. Um, and then after that, it was just a whole host of games. I actually have a collection of around 40 games that I still own just now and the original wow. PAL console. Um, obviously, PAL console isn't that great for speedrunning in most scenes, so it's <laughs> kind of a collector's item now. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, 
And then from then, basically, I moved on to, funnily enough, we went from that back to the Commodore 64. And then I got a Spectrum 128 as well. So I kind of went SNES back the way, uh, Spectrum 128 and Commodore 64. And then kind of uh, after like a few years, kind of started going forward. Uh, I was a PlayStation guy for a while, did PlayStation 1 and 2 and 3, and then finally switched over to Xbox One after that. And kind of got into, you know, Call of Duty and Battlefield and kind of all those kind of generic games that I think we all sort of played at one time. Sure. Uh, Battlefield, that that sort of stuff. So, and then, yeah, sort of continued on that path. And funnily enough, I want to tell people this, they, they actually can't believe it, but I, I didn't game for about five or six years. I took five or six years off from gaming, didn't play at all. Um, I went traveling <clears throat> when I was about... Uh, about 18, just on my 18th birthday or so, I actually, I just basically had saved up and I went off and left um, my home. Mm-hmm. I traveled for about four years. I went all over the world, went to Australia for two years. I lived in New Zealand for a while. I went to Asia for a while. Um, kind of went all over the shot um, and, then, and then came back home. And, went, and then I finally met uh, my wife now when I was traveling on the second um, spurt of traveling um, and then moved to Canada where I live now. Okay. And that's how I ended up in Canada was, was through meeting my wife. But all through that period of my life, I didn't game at all, didn't touch anything. And then finally about five or six years later the urge came back to, to start gaming again and uh, <laughs> I got myself an Xbox One and sort of slowly kind of got back into it and then from then I, I had another short break and then I realized that I really wanted to get into doing some gaming again and I knew I kind of really loved the concept of speedrunning. I had never done speedrunning before, didn't really know too much about it. But the first kind of speedruns, funnily enough, that I watched was actually GoldenEye. I okay, watched yeah. a lot of GoldenEye speedruns, Carol Jobs' content, you know, he was putting out lots of content of like these crazy people doing like, and GoldenEye was one of my favorite games. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. Like, I'm just like, people are like flying through these levels. I'm like, this looks awesome. And I'm, um, I knew instantly that I wanted to get into it. I was like, I want to get into this. I didn't didn't know anything about, I didn't even know that Twitch was a thing. Like literally, I I thought it was all YouTube. I did not know Twitch existed. I I swear. And I was like, got into like YouTube videos and OBS. And still at that point, I really didn't know that Twitch was a thing. And I I did a few runs, Mm. funnily enough, on Super Mario Kart. That was my first speed run. Uh, I speed run Super Mario Kart for about two or three months doing the individual level stuff. And it was all on a site and OBS and YouTube and stuff like that. And then I finally moved on to Zelda Link to the Past, which is now my, you know, my main speed run. And that's when I found out about Twitch, got onto Twitch. And then from there, it just exploded um, into speed running from that point. Gotcha. Wow. So you basically did an entire episode in like five minutes. So we're going to, we're going to hit all of that. Like, I love it. <laughs> okay. Oh, perfect. So, um, I want to go back to when you were a kid, you said you played a ton of games like super Mario world and super Mario Kart. So were you the type of kid? Uh, and I, I feel like a lot of us will say this. Um, I, I'll say this about myself where you felt like, especially as a kid and maybe cause your parents telling you this too, that you kind of had a natural talent for gaming, like you just kind of pick things up pretty quickly uh, or, or were you kind of struggling, figuring things out, you know, as you went? 
Yeah, I, I would say I was a natural gamer. I, I picked it up super fast. Like my brother was a lot older than me and some of his friends were a little older and they were they were gamers too. Um, but they, I wouldn't say they were into gaming as much as, as me. I had a cousin who was into gaming and like within, you know, a couple of months, I was already better than my brother who was like five, six years older than me at the time. So like I, I was progressing really, really fast. I just had a, a knack for it. Um, it, it just drew me in and okay. um, it, it wasn't like it was, you know, sometimes as you know, uh, especially in today's world, there's a lot of, sometimes there's a negative view on gaming and playing games and, mm -hmm. and all that sort of stuff. And when I grew up, it wasn't like that at all. Like it was promoted as a good thing. It was fun thing. We played together. We did fa like family gaming nights. I played with my brother. It was, it was a fun time. It was, it was very promoted and uh, I was encouraged to play just like I encourage my kids to play. Um, and yeah, and that kind of atmosphere growing up, like it was, uh, you know, that's how I became like the gamer that I am today, I guess. Okay. Um, so yeah, it was definitely, it wasn't hard to pick up games and, and get good at them pretty quickly. You, you mentioned obviously speed running and we'll jump ahead to that in a minute, but uh, Super Mario World, have you ever even considered, like since that was one of the first games you've played, uh, is that something you've considered speedrunning at any point? I have actually speedrun Super Mario, yes. Oh, okay. Um, I did. I, I speedrun Super Mario 11 Exit, um, which is like a kind of a, a 10 to ten to sort of 15 minute category. It's a short category where you basically bounce through the game, do all the shortcuts and get to Bowser. And it was always on my list. There was a few games that were always on my list because they were uh, games that I played. Mm -hmm. And those were... Uh, Super Mario Kart, because um, I was huge into that when I was a kid. There was Super Mario World and there was Zelda Link to the Past. I played a lot of that as well. So I kind of knew that I was going to speedrun those games at some point. And another one that was on there was Star Fox. Um, and I'll talk a little bit about that as well. I got the world record in that very recently. Oh, all right. Um, so, <laughs> well, well, I'll put um, a pin on that one real quick. So uh, I, I want to ask this too, you know, kind of a timeline here. One thing you mentioned was, you know, you had the Commodore 64 and the Spectrum 128. You went back to those. I've heard of the Commodore 64. Maybe I'm not as much of a gamer as I thought I was. I've never heard of the Spectrum 128. Could you enlighten me a little bit on what that is exactly? Sure. I think, and I'm not 100% sure on this. Um, I haven't looked it up. It's been a long, long time, but I believe the 64 is either the memory or the, the or something to do with mm -hmm. the memory. So it's 64 bits and 128 bits. I think that's what it is. So whether that's um, the capacity of the game at the time or the speed that it was running at, I think that's what it is. Like Commodore 64 is 64, I don't know, bits. Right, and right. 120 is, was like the next advancement, which is 120. And then, you, I don't know, like the next console after. I think that's what it is. But they're both very, very similar. Um, I think they have like a tape and you load it up and you get this screen that if you have epilepsy, you do not want to ever watch it. It is the <laughs> most toxic screen you have ever seen in your, your life. Every color under the screen, it flashes for about five minutes straight. I am not joking. If you go on YouTube and see it, it, it yeah, it is actually the worst loading screen you've ever. It makes this horrendous noise, like an old dial up modem. <laughs> it is brutal, brutal. Like, but it had kind of 
some of these like class, like the, the games that I remember playing on it was Dizzy, and there, it's not a popular game, but it was like one of the big games back then that we were all playing was Dizzy's. There's Dizzy's Adventures. It kind of reminds me a little bit about Kirby, but like the, we're talking like real basic, like Stickman. If Kirby was Stickman, mm-hmm. that's what Dizzy was. Okay, kind of adventure <laughs> game. You go and get items, and you use them to kind of get places. Um, I haven't played it or gone back to it, but that's what I remember playing. Paperboy was another one. I think you oh, may yeah. have heard of that kind of game. That was originally on those consoles. Commodore 64, I okay. believe, that started on. Uh, where you run around, you throw the papers left and right, and it whacks people on the street and stuff like that. That, that was <laughs> Commodore 64. <laughs> I played I played Paperboy 2 on the SNES as a kid, like a lot. Yep. Uh, to this day, I do not, I have never actually, maybe I should do this afterwards, but I have not looked up what, like, how you beat the game. Like, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I don't even know what, what, what's the point in it, to be honest. <laughs> to this day, I still don't know. I just remember, like, clobbering dogs and hitting people in the head with these papers and I didn't actually know what the object of the game was <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> That's fantastic. It sounds about how like my childhood experience with Paperboy uh, 2 was. It was just kind of like, uh, yeah. what can we hit? What can we destroy? You find something new, you yeah. and your friend like freak out. Uh, like the original GTA of, uh, of our time. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a <laughs> very kid friendly version. Oh man. <laughs> so uh, PlayStation 1 and 2. Uh, any any big games that really stuck out for you over there or, or was Sony kind of like, you know, or was this when you kind of got into just the major casual gaming side? Um, you know, there was definitely some big games. Um, Crash Bandicoot um, was huge for me and Spyro are the two names that really, really stick out from the, the PlayStation series. Um, they were the first kind of, uh, of that kind of game that I played that kind of, you know, 3D concept mm-hmm. game where you go around and you you collect items and kind of an open world concept. Like those games to me are like, yeah, like some of the most nostalgic games I play. I bought the the new trilogy of both of them and I've replayed them. And yeah, I've got my, my kids into them now and they love it. Oh, yeah. So the, those two trilogies are absolutely fantastic. And there's one more game from the Super Nintendo that I have to mention. Okay. Um, because it's it's one of the only RPGs I've ever played. I'm not an RPG guy. Um, I didn't know what Final Fantasy was till very recently. I know it's very embarrassing, but um, <laughs> someone someone was talking about Final Fantasy and I actually didn't know what it was um, until very recently. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of, that gives you any idea of like where I'm at with the gaming. But there's a game called Legend of Dragoon. Okay, and I've heard of it that. It was for the PlayStation 1. It was one of the only games I've ever known that has four discs. I think Final Fantasy has another four discs now that I've looked it up. But mm-hmm. Legend of Dragoon was a four-disc game, um, and it's in a, like an RPG, and it's absolutely amazing. It's a fantastic game. Um, and I just went back recently to a Discord to see if there was anything happening with it. And the community are actually working on a PC port right now as we speak. Oh, wow. Um, to play the game on your PC. Um, they have it up and running with a few minor bugs. I just installed it um, like two weeks ago and I'm going to be doing a run through of it um, okay. after I think League, League is over. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. So that's the three big ones from the PlayStation era for sure. Okay. Maybe they'll get the uh, <laughs> the bugs patched out by the time League ends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you can complete the game. There's, there's no kind of major bugs, but you can basically go through the whole game as long as you don't do anything kind of crazy. You're trying to glitch it out or anything, but so uh, Legend of Dragoon. Tell me, tell me what about that was so like what made it stick out for you? Was it story, characters, <laughs> something completely unrelated? So I'd never played a turn-based game. Um, 
like you know when you take a turn and you and you do you know like you attack or you right. have magic and you have defense and so that kind of new concept was new for me. I have a, my best friend at the time, Ben, um, who was 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 mad into it. He said, "I've got this game. You got to try." It. Like it was whatever I was playing, he was playing, and he was like, "He's like, I just got this game. I'm coming over. Like we're gonna play it." And so I was like, "Oh, whatever, sure." Um, he came over and he brought this game, and the thing that I liked about it the most, I'd seen sort of a couple of turn based games back in back in the, in those days and and they were they were very much just you push the button and you attack or right. you defend right this game actually has inputs that you have to do to make through your attacks work. So sometimes like your character has mm. a move called the super spin or whatever it is. And then there's actually like a, a, a dialogue and then you have to time button presses. So you have to time an X and an X and a circle and a square. And if you time them all correctly, you do extra moves and you do more damage to the opponents. Okay. So this was, so there's a little, did it like prompt you on the screen to press these at like within? Yes. A, okay. Yes. Interesting. Yes, yeah. All right. and, and it was a, like it was a box, and if you didn't hit it at the right time, then you didn't get any move, and you only did see the two parts of your move, and you did a crappy amount of damage. So you had to get used to doing yeah. these moves at different times to get the move to work. And sometimes the opponent could actually um, counter you, and if he countered you, you had to push a different button and time it to then recounter wow. him and and get the full damage off. So it was like a game that had, you know, that kind of uh, turn-based stuff, but it was very engaging at the same time. It's not just a sit back and push buttons. Like you had to focus the whole time on every fight. And I thought that to me was just fantastic. I'd never seen it being done at that time during an early game like the PlayStation. So that that's what stuck out you big time for me. Okay. So like, I'll be honest, my, my first RPG experience, it was like Super Mario RPG on the SNES. So that had a very similar mechanic where you would uh, do an attack. And then if it would teach you, like there was this hidden timing window that if you like pressed a again, like with Mario, he would do an extra, like instead of one punch, you would double punch uh, and you'd get extra damage. So like all these characters had this, I made the mistake of thinking that 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 carried over to literally every RPG I ever played as a yeah. kid. I was doing it in Pokemon. I was doing it in like Final Fantasy. And so like I was like, man, like uh, the timing must be really tight on this game. It took me forever to figure out it wasn't even a mechanic. Um, but those, <laughs> I say all that to say like games like that that have that mechanic. I didn't even know Legend of Dragoon had that. But like that's in, I love stuff like that because it, it keeps you a little more engaged, like you were saying, instead of it just being like sit back, press the button, wait and see what happens. You know, it, not that that's too mind numbing to, to everybody, but it can be in some regards. Yeah, I think it depends on what everyone gets gets from those these kind of games. Um, I was never much for for these sort of uh, the only other turn based game that I played was Pokemon uh, quite a bit later. Mm -hmm. um, I had blue and red and I actually um, was quite a bit of a Pokemon geek um, and I did get all 151 Pokemon um, with the blue and red and um, transferring yeah, yeah. Pokemon to and from the Game Boys and I actually had a blue cartridge with 151 on it at one point. Wow. Um, so I went through that whole era of Pokemon um, myself. So that was the only other turn-based game that I that I played and the only other RPG that kind of sticks I think it's an RPG anyway Secret of Mana mm -hmm. I believe that counts as a, it's not like a turn-based one right right it's kind of a it's an open I don't know sometimes there's different acronyms I never remember the, the different acronyms but it was kind of that adventure role-playing game and like that was another game that stuck out for me huge at the time Secret of Mana it was a fantastic game. I want I think in my opinion, it's the best soundtrack of all time. Secret of Mana. 
I've I've heard of it and I've I've seen some playing of it and I've always enjoyed listening to the music. I thought it was good. So I'll agree with you there that it probably ha- it probably has one of the best soundtracks in my opinion because I remember the music always being really catchy. And the speedrun for that is actually insane. The main category of that, they they take a, a, they take two controllers and they turn them against each other and they tape them together and they play the front and the back with the back of their hands and the front with the top of their hands and that's how they speedrun the game. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and that's the main category. That's not like a side category. This is the main category of Secret of Mana. <laughs> People complain about hovering. <laughs> Holy cow. Imagine having to tape two controllers together. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. Um, so you mentioned Spyro Crash. Uh, did they carry over PS2 and PS3? I know there were like some versions of those games on the PS2 and the PS3, but I know that like I know the Crash ones kind of like weren't that great until they did the, the remaster trilogy. So were there any games on PS2 besides like Crash and, uh, and Spyro that, that stuck out? You know what? I don't have much memory of the PS2. I think the PS2 was backwards compatible with PS1, I mm-hmm. think. It was. So it was like a natural progression. Um, it it kind of, I guess, shows that it didn't have as big of an impact on me as I played some of these like pool games. And if I went through and like, some Monopoly and some of these like random games right. don't really mean much to me, but it doesn't stick out to me. Like if you tell me the SNES, I can tell you like 20 games that I played. The Super Nintendo, there's maybe four or five that kind of stick out really. Mm-hmm. So I think that kind of part of, part of my gaming was just, it was just the next snatch progression. It wasn't until I got um, the PS3 when, you know, Call of Duty came out. Uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 4, I believe that was the PS3, if I remember when it came yeah, out. Yeah, I believe that's so. When, uh, that's when I started getting back into like gaming big time was, was during that phase. Like I played a lot of Call of Duty Modern Warfare 4. <laughs> so that one, was that one after, so PS3, uh, I'm trying to connect the timeline here. You took a break from gaming around yep. 18 and- uh, I'd say you and I this, are probably this, close. This was after the P- this is after the PS3. So okay. the PS3 I had before I went traveling. So I was around maybe 16, 17 when that came out and Call of Duty came out. And I had a big phase of gaming when I was sort of 16, 17 where I played lots of that sort of stuff. And then that's when I took my break was after that. Okay. So uh, if, if you're willing to share, what, what made you decide you wanted to stop gaming for a bit, see the world, travel, leave home? <laughs> like what sparked that? Um, so yeah, I, I was, uh, 18, um, or when I just turned, but around about my 18th birthday and my family were going through some, some rough times, unfortunately, and it wasn't really a good time in my life. Um, I just finished school and my exams were done and, um, I had, I had a, a job at the time, but it wasn't, you know, anything majorly serious. And it's something that I, I wanted to do. I wanted to get away. I wanted to find myself. I didn't want to go to college. Um, university wasn't for me, you know, that, that just wasn't mm-hmm. part of my plan. And, um, I had some money saved up and I, I wanted to go away. Initially I thought Paris and France, that was my original plan, but there was some, there was a lot of kind of tourists pushing, um, organizations pushing the Australia thing back in those days. And there were some smoking hot deals that I got. I got this, I don't even know if you can get these kind of deals anymore, but when I got a, a plane ticket, I got a one year return plane ticket. It was called. So you buy a ticket and you go and you can use that ticket to come home anytime within a year. Wow. That's, that's pretty incredible. (laughs) It's insane. So then I was able to get like a one year work visa. Um, I had my flight home 
And basically it was covered. So no matter what happened when I got there, it didn't really matter because I always had that, you know, thing mm-hmm. that was going to, I didn't know what it was going to be. Was it going to go out there for a month, two? I was thinking three months. And then I ended up staying there for two and a half years over in Australia. <laughs> wow. That's, that's pretty yeah. incredible. So what, uh, what about in Australia, New Zealand area? Um, what stuck out to you there? What, what left an impact on you from, from seeing there? I've never been there and I'm sure that the majority of like the people who listen to this probably haven't either. Uh, only maybe a couple. So, uh, this would be all new for me. You know what? Uh, Australia it was the most amazing experience of my life. It, it, it was, um, you know, you have different experiences in your life that are great and fun. So, you know, that my life now with my family and my wife is, is brewing and stuff and, and like that, like it's, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but back then when I was single before I had my family and responsibilities, that was the other part that I would say was the best part of my life. Like but between when I was sort of 18 and 19, 20, um, I was free. I didn't have any responsibilities. I was single and I, I went and oh, every, everywhere that I went was just amazing. I lived in Sydney for a while and I worked there for a few months and then I traveled all the way up the, the coast. Um, I did surf camps. I was surf camps for like two or three weeks. I went on a sailing voyage for like three weeks. Okay. And then I went up and I worked on a, a banana farm of all things. I worked oh, on a banana wow. farm for four and a half months. Um, and then after that, I actually flew back down to Sydney, worked there for a while. Then I hopped over to Asia and I lived there for about four months in Asia. I was traveled all around Thailand, Vietnam, Laos, um, shot back through Cambodia and then went home for a couple of months, went back to Australia again and went to Perth the second time. So I lived in Perth for a year. Um, they were all amazing. Like Sydney's a fantastic place and the Gold Coast is amazing. Um, Cairns is really, really cool. Perth is, is another great, great city. So there really wasn't anything that stood out, but like Australia is just a completely different place. It's, it's really weird. Like it's hot all year round, you know, like I was living in, in, uh, in the North in the banana farm. It was like plus 27 in the dead of winter. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, in the summer I got up to like the hottest day. I remember the hottest day I was there was 51. It's 51 degrees Celsius. Yeah. I figured uh, that was in C and, yeah. and not, not, in, not in freedom units. In so. C, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like just insanely hot. Like it's, it's, a, it's a different world out there. Yeah, <laughs> it, it sure. sounds like it. I, I've always heard that it's, it is very different there. So uh, that's pretty incredible. So what I didn't hear was was Canada in that travel time. Uh, so how, how did you, I guess, how did you wind up in, in Canada now, uh, of all places out of, out of all the places you'd been to? So, yeah, that's a great, great question because Canada was probably the, the last place I thought I would ever end up. I didn't really know much about it. It was pretty far from, from where I lived in Scotland at the time and Australia is like the other side of the world. So, um, when I was in Perth on my second incursion, when I went back to Australia, I met my wife now, um, mm-hmm. Terry who I've been with for, I think we're all we're 10 years this year. Wow. So we congrats. 10 year anniversary this year. So we met in Australia and we spent about eight to nine months um, in Perth. And then 
my visa was actually up. So I actually overstayed my visa a little bit by a couple of months, but my visa was up and, uh, you know, we, she didn't want to go back home and I don't want her force her to go back home because she still had time left on, on her side. Mm-hmm. So we decided to go to New Zealand. I was able to get a visa for New Zealand and so was she. So we traveled to New Zealand and we spent another six to seven months together in New Zealand. I'm um, just living and traveling around and just to see where, where we were going, like, you know, was the series, you know, like, right. you know, because the next step was basically we're going to meet our families and, mm-hmm. you know, we want to make sure that, you know, we were serious about it. And yeah, after that, it was, it was pretty much, it was like, yeah, this is it. Like, you know, I'm very serious. We fell in love, you know, very quickly and we went back to meet my family. I went to meet her family. I just got a visitor's visa the first time. Um, and yes, I got, after that, I basically stayed in, in Canada. I really liked the place, but I struggled to get my visa funnily enough. And that's another whole ordeal. It took me about two to three years to get my residence wow. visa all sorted out. And in that time, I, we actually went home and spent a year in Scotland while I was waiting for my visa and then came back to Canada again <laughs> <laughs> once I got my visa. And yeah, I've been in Canada now for about 10 years. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, very, very different weather, we'll say, than Australia. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> the coldest it gets here is usually around minus 49, I think, is the coldest uh, I've seen Celsius. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and in the winter, and so in the summer, it gets to like plus 39, 38. So plus 38 in the summer and minus 38 in the winter. It, it's pretty brutal in terms of uh, weather swings for wow. sure. Yeah, that, that, no thanks. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, you know, now that you've kind of settled back in from traveling, you said this was about the time you picked up an Xbox one, got back into playing some games. So I'm assuming that's how maybe you spent a little bit of your free time. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, maybe even with your wife too. So tell me a little bit about that. Like, what was it like jumping back in, you know, getting back into this? I have, you know, I have a stationary place I'm living at now and getting back into gaming. I, I kind of got back into gaming once uh, we bought our house. We bought our house and uh, we had um, someone that moved in. They actually ended up staying with us for about, about five years or so. And he was a big gamer. And uh, lots, lots of different games that I'd never sort of played. He played like Metal Gear Solid and and he was into, uh, he got Destiny when it came out and kind of all these games that I'd never played. So, you know, I showed him the games that I played like Call of Duty and Battlefield and stuff. And then I started playing games that he played. And that's kind of when I decided like to, to, to buy an Xbox one, there was a deal on it. It was Xbox one. I think battlefield four was coming out at the time. And that's, that's when I bought my Xbox one. I was like battlefield four, it was going to be a huge game. And it was right. I was, in my opinion, my battlefield four and battlefield one, some of the best games I ever played. I had so much fun playing those games. I still play those games to this day. You know, whenever I want to kick back and do something casual, a couple of buddies, man, we fire up Battlefield. Oh, yeah. Four, one, or even five. All, all three of them are very, very good games. Um, started getting, you know, playing with my buddy. And and yeah, I sort of just still went from there. Um, I think we did played all the cause, but all the cause, I think, in sort of all the Battlefields in that generation. And then I played Destiny as well. I actually... Mm-hmm maxed out a character in destiny i think up until uh, like two of the dlcs and that was a game i never played before either but right um i've kind of moved away from from that since but that was a period of maybe two or three years um of, of doing that when when i had my my friend staying and then 
you know, when, after they were sort of gone was when I got into speed running and that's when I really, really got back into to gaming and spending a lot of time, you know, in speed running and stuff like that. Right. So what exactly, what hooked you on speed running? What did you, do you remember what you saw that you were like, I want to go down this rabbit hole or what was it like a GDQ? You said you didn't know anything about Twitch, so it couldn't have been GDQ, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't know anything about GDQ. Um, I found out um, strictly through YouTube. Like I said, the first um, okay. sort of speed runs that I, that I saw was uh, Goldeneye. I believe that Carl Jobs, who's obviously a huge um, content creator now, was putting out stuff on Goldeneye. There was some other people, um, Clements, I think his name's Clements or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, Big Goldeneye runner, world record holder. He was the champion at one point. He was putting out content as well. And I just remember like, and, and Goldeneye is a very different type of speed running to what, you know, if you're not a resetter, you, you don't want to play Goldeneye. Yeah. Because Goldeneye is basically playing the same 30 second or one minute level over and over and over and over. And I mean, over and yeah. over and over. And people don't understand that, but I do. I get it. It's like, it's like absolute perfection. It's like you're just perfecting every minuscule movement down to the way that he's moving to the pixels that mm-hmm. he's going. And it's just like, I don't know why, but I just hooked me. I was like, wow, this is, I want to try this. I just, for some reason I was like, yes, I've, I've never done this kind of gaming before. Um, funnily enough, um, I remember when I, it took me a little while to remember this, but I actually did 11 exit when I was a teenager before speed running, I believe oh. was probably even a thing. Okay. Yeah. When I was 11 or 12, I did super Mario 11 exit. I saw something on YouTube. It was a video. Now it wasn't going to be anywhere near a good time, but I'm pretty sure I did it sub 15 minutes. Wow. When I was about 11 or 12. Okay. Um, and it, this was just me on a, on a, you know, a stopwatch, like just, stopwatch there's no recordings <laughs> or anything like that it was just like let's see how how good i think i saw someone did it in i don't know 12 and a half minutes or 12 minutes i wanted to see how fast i could do it and it was like 14 and a half minutes like my time now is like 11 minutes so it's not like a, a great time sure. but i do remember sitting there and doing that when i was young and, it, and i didn't do anything like that ever again up until this day when i got into speed running um, and so it, that kind of took me back a little bit. So, so I think maybe early on, I kind of had that inclination of, I kind of like doing this sort of thing. Um, right. but yeah, so then, then, then it was like, okay, what, what's the game that I'm going to start with? <clears throat> that was the next decision after saying gold nine, you would think gold nine would be the game, but it wasn't. I feel like that's um, really I, uh, <laughs> a steep barrier of entry, especially for your first like four yeah. into, uh, into speed running. <laughs> Yeah, that's a highly competitive game. And and for some reason, it, it wasn't the way that I went. Um, I wanted to do SNES because SNES is my console. I played SNES so much. I, I had a SNES. Um, it, uh, for, I was destined to speedrun on the SNES, no matter what mm-hmm. it was. And I decided on Super Mario uh, Kart, of all things. I, I know that the, if you don't know, the Super Mario Kart has a huge speedrunning community absolutely massive. It's not big on SRC, but they have their own website and they have hundreds and hundreds of like, they have like an over a thousand runs on it. Like wow. it's absolutely crazy. Yeah. On they have PAL and NTSC and they have individual level and all levels and they have like everything, like one lap, three lap. Like they have a well dedicated website from a guy who's ran it for many, many years. And he was really like, I just, I just put in a quick message and like he emailed me with like, 
instantly was like, wow. hey, you want to come on? He gave me all this stuff and this is how you do it and we'll help you set this up. And I was just like, <laughs> whoa, this is amazing. Like, this is so good. Because sometimes, you know, you go into speedrunning communities and I'm not going to name any, you know, the speedrunning sure, communities. Sure. I've been into some that are not that great. They're just like, nobody responds or I'm not really want to help to help you and or anything like that. But this was like, whoa, like what was it? So uh, I got started with that. Started doing uh, individual level stuff on Super Mario Kart. Um, this is again before I realized Twitch was a really a big thing. Um, did a bunch of that for about two or three months. And we're talking like I had a camera on my phone. The camera was set up on the TV. <laughs> I had another uh, phone that was stuck up with my timer on it. And then I had another phone that was recording the timer next to the wow. game. And I had to split some of my phone. I was pushing the phone and oh, I was, I was like real retro. And I actually have a couple of my speed runs that are up there. My very first a Link to the Past uh, any percent run, which is like the three minute category. Mm-hmm. Like if you go and find it, you'll see what it's all about. It's brutal. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so what, what, like what year am I looking at here in, in your life? Like what year was this that you got into Super Mario Kart? Uh, we're talking about four years ago. Four years okay, ago okay. was when I did my first uh, Mario Kart run. Um, I did that for about three months and then I found, um, uh, like, as soon as I, I knew Zelda was a thing, like, that that was happening. Zelda mm-hmm. was a huge game in my life. I was like, it didn't take long for me to start sort of researching what speedrunning was about. And I quickly found Zelda, Link to the Past. I saw that it was a fairly big community, had, you know, a lot of runs and and then I sort of got onto Discord. I was already on Discord at that point. Got onto there and then <clears throat> that was basically the next thing was was getting on to right to there. And um for some reason I was so like I wanted to get a world record in something that I don't know why that meant so much to me, but I wanted to, I didn't care if it was a, a crappy category extension that sure. nobody ran, if there was only a, a few runs on it. But my goal when I got into uh, Zelda was like, I want to find a category and I want to be the best at it. And, and that was it. And I wanted it to be something short. So the very first run that I did was actually Zelda, the GBA version. There's a true wow. any percent. Through any percent run, I think there's maybe like 12 or 13 runs on it. And I was going to play that game until I got the world record. And uh, I got the world record um, within a few weeks. I don't know, it was like wow. two weeks of like grinding it out. And I got the world record. And I don't think anyone had touched it for a very long time, but somebody reached out to me actually and was like, talking to me. I think his name is blank. He still sort of does the odd run. And he, he mm-hmm. was like talking he had about this new way of doing it. And uh, like within like a week, he absolutely crushed me. Oh no. <laughs> he found this new way of finishing it. He beat me for like seven seconds. And yes, I don't have the world record anymore, but that's whatever. I have actually, it, it's something I'm going to go back to. I'm going to go back and I'm going to get that record back. Cause another person did that same route and, and got this, it's like about a seven second difference. So the one I did was like a stair clip route, which is really, really, really difficult. Mm-hmm. And then the one they did is like a quadrant glitch route, which is a little bit harder, but it's not as hard as the steer clip route, so, um, but it's just a lot faster. <clears throat> so what's the time like on, on that one versus like, say the SNES one? Cause the SNES one I know is like what you said, like three minutes or something, even yeah, less maybe. I think, I think, um, it's like two, one fifty seven is my time for the GBA wow. version. Okay. Um, and then I think one fifty two is the current record. Um, and on, so to compare times on the any percent for um, Zelda, I think it's like 
it's a little bit faster because I think the timings are different. I think they do what's called um, a different timing when Link jumps out of bed. They start the time. I think it's called SDA timing. Oh, and okay. The, the game is just in a little bit faster anyways because of yeah. text and stuff like that, I believe. So it's about 30 or so seconds, I think, faster than, um, than the GBA version. But that's for some reason how I started was like the, like the really <laughs> short crazy. category. And then um, from there, I, I got it. So 237 is my time for, so it's 237 versus a 150 something. So it's about 40 seconds or so. Okay. Um, I did both. I did both of them. So are, in, uh, are the runs different or are they kind of the same? You said it used a quadrant yeah, glitch. Are, yeah. The, the runs are actually quite different for a short category. Um, and NMG, <clears throat> there's multiple ways of, of doing it. So there's the one where you jump off the ledge and you get EG state yeah. or whatever you call it, that state. You push, you pause it and you go back through, you get hit right. and then you go out of bounds. There's a stair clipping method that gets you out of bounds without having to do the resets. You have to stair clip in seven times and then you jump off. But then there is like a clipping version where you can just clip out straight away and then you do like two or three clips into the river and then you go through the bat cave and go that way. And then somebody found mm. another route just recently, I believe, within the last year called Swimmy G, where you like <laughs> swim through the map out of bounds. Okay. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> so there's actually a lot of different ways. I've never gone into like the glitched ways of doing it. It's something that I never got back to doing, but there's like multiple different ways of doing that, that category. So, okay. <laughs> um, it's only like three minutes long. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I want to ask this, this, this backing up just a bit with super Mario Kart. how like, how stressful is that? Like compared to say like an NMG run, you know, that's an hour and a half. You're looking, you know, one lap, three lap, and then like five laps for a full track. If you're doing like a full time trial or something, uh, like I assume the stress level of that is very high, similar to GoldenEye where you're just resetting over and over. Yeah. I mean, like at that point there, I hadn't done any full runs. So the okay. longest run that I'd really ever done was only three minutes at that point. But if we're comparing it to like when I got into like Master Sword and NMG, when it gets to like an hour and a half, um, <sighs> short categories are, they're not for everyone. It, you have to be like a certain type of, you have to have a certain mentality to, to really enjoy and get good at short categories because it is a lot of resetting. The shorter the category mm -hmm. is, the more the, re the resetting is going to work. Because if you make a mistake, you're not going to beat your PB, right? right? In an hour and a half run, you could make, you know, two, three minutes of mistake when you're starting off and still crush your PB by five minutes. When your run's only three minutes long, if you lose five seconds at the start, you're done. Yeah. You know, like you, you just like, you can complete the run from, you know, if you want to work on some consistency and, you know, finish some runs, but really the shorter the category, get, category gets, it's more about going for the perfect run. And funnily enough, it's what I took into my speedrunning career was that mentality of resetting. I am known for being, um, a heavy resetter. Like I'm, called Mr. Reset. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like I, I think I may have, I might possibly have the biggest reset, um, percentage of anyone in the entire community. Oh, I think wow. I was going over numbers with people and it was very, very, very low. Like it's, uh, and like in every NMG run or attempts that I've ever done versus how many that I've actually completed. It was like very, very low. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So, and it's, that that's a whole that's a whole yeah. thing in, it, in itself. Um, <clears throat> it's kind of difference in mentality. So, 
when I got into, you know, Master Sword and then finally we're going into NMG and that was kind of a three-year ordeal. But um, I got into doing sort of full runs at that point and, you know, the first goal was to get under 140 and then the next goal was to get 135 and then sub 90 and then, you know, once you get to sub 90, you start getting down and down and down and down and it gets yeah. harder and harder. And then, you know, like eventually get to a point where you really got to start dropping, you know, a couple of months into playing the game to get the next time barrier. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I, I kind of took a lot of that reset mentality. And when I first started off and I didn't really understand like the full run in itself, um, I probably should have maybe finished a few more runs out than I was because my, my, I was called a light world hero. I had probably one of the best light worlds in the entire community. Um, and I had probably one of the worst art worlds you've ever seen in existence. It was like horrible. (laughs) And I had to really over the years work at getting better at the, at the dark world. Um, I am, you know, all my times, he was always usually near the end of the uh, end of the game. Um, but even all through it, like I was, uh, I'm still to this day, I'm a heavy resetter. I, I don't, I'm not a person that wants to finish out dead runs. Um, I'd rather just, you know, hit the reset button and fire the prior kick up and just practice segments for a little bit or practice yeah. wanting to practice or, you know, like, and then go back. And I, I'm just not one of these, unless I'm trying to work on some consistency for like a league that's coming up or some league matches or races. Sure. And I then definitely, you know, like I, I, I'll finish more runs, try and get some more consistency built up. <clears throat> but I am a, uh, I speed run for the time. All that matters to me is the PB. Oh that, yeah. You know, it's not the for, end not, goal. Not, not everyone's the end goal for me is the time. I want to see the lowest time possible. And, and, and for me, you know, if I'm not going to beat that end goal, um, then I'm not interested in doing that run. And I actually use a kind of a, a rough counter on my live split. I have targets and that's another thing I do maybe different than some other people. So people usually run against the, their last run that they do. Sure. As soon as I'm done a run, I scrap my, my times and I, I redo my times and make them match my current PB. So if I got say like a 124 41 right now, for example, I actually completely change all the splits to targets that I want to hit for each split. And if right. I don't hit those targets, then I hit the reset button basically is kind of how I do it. Okay. So that would be so, like, you, you basically <coughs> set a goal on your live split to like, to be at like your next like threshold that you exactly. want to get to. Okay. And if I'm plus 15 on that, like I'm not continuing because uh, there's no point in my mind because I should be within those, those targets and the targets aren't crazy. They're very meetable targets. I'd have to lose five plus seconds on a split to, to be anywhere near in the red in these splits. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so that's kind of how I speed run the game. That's, that's very similar. I think to the way, like I play dance games, it's kind of like the reset mentality as well, because you know, with, with the dance game, you know, going for a perfect score, it's like, it's like a golden eye level. It's a minute and a half and it's physical, it's mental and it's precise. And then you, you know, as soon as you make a mistake, you know, if you've got, if you've made one mistake, you know, gotten one like non-perfect judgment before you, you're like, I'm already where I was. Like, I can't improve. The only thing you could do is to play it for consistency. Is it worth expending all this energy to do it? Or should I just reset right now? So, and a lot of times when I was playing NMG, I would carry over that mentality, which was probably a detriment to me in NMG because I, I'd get like, you know, I'd have a terrible light world. And I have all this time to make up in dark world. Uh, and I'm just like, 
man, I don't want to play this. I'm so far behind. Like I just see, the, I just see the mountain in front of me to overcome. Uh, and I just want to reset. And then it's like, well, it's too late to start another run. I'm going to bed. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, yeah. I, I completely get that. I think that, um, <clears throat> I definitely don't suggest it for, for everyone. I think mm-hmm. there's a, uh, there's a, there's a lot of things that don't get understood by someone who does a lot of resetting, but who's getting very, very good times. Um, like, just because I'm resetting all the time, it doesn't mean that I'm not doing the practice that I need to do. Um, I, I was always, if I didn't spend enough time in the end game, I would then take a break and do the end game and I practice right. the end game for an hour or I would switch to dark world NMG. So if I did like two or three runs and I didn't have a good light world, I would just switch over to dark world NMG and then do maybe a dark world NMG and do a few attempts of that. And I can, uh, I'd, I'd always make sure that I'm doing the practice um, meaningful practice and the, the parts that matter, the, the mid game, the end game, the Ganon, and then going back to run. So it was, I was always sort of flip flopping to and from, but if you're someone who is just hasn't practiced the end game and you're only doing yeah. runs and you're resetting, like that's, I would say, no, don't, you need to finish more runs because yeah, you're not practicing and you're not getting to the end game. So yeah, hundred yeah. percent, you're that, that shouldn't be your mentality. You should be trying to finish runs, but if you're willing to put the practice in, you already have the knowledge, you already know how to do the rooms you've done them a hundred times like I don't need need to just play out the run I I, I can go back and start again because I know what I'm doing I'm just not where yeah. I want to be with it it's funny that you mentioned that uh, and I think another thing um, just funnily that you mentioned the dance pad there is there's another thing with being a resetter there you were talking about keeping your energy right so that that kind of carries over we haven't talked about this yet but that that mentality of resetting was was the worst experience ever when I started doing treadmill NMG. Yeah, and I, I wanted to talk about this. So uh, let, let, since you brought it up, let's let's jump in. You know, you linked me to your PB of a one twenty seven fifty four uh, on a treadmill. So tell me what made you decide. All right, I want to play Zelda while on a treadmill, and I want to speed run it well on a treadmill. <laughs> Yeah, this was, um, so funnily enough, my, my two main hobbies that I like, um, is gaming and fitness. Okay. I I know they don't always go well with each other or there's (laughs) sometimes there's a stigma with that. Yeah, sure. I, I love gaming hardcore and I love fitness hardcore. And at the time I was, um, doing, you know, ultra, you know, ultra marathons are. Yes. And I, I, that's another, no, thank you for me. I want (laughs) to lift the weight. I, the, the ultra marathons, like no, no thanks. (laughs) So I was doing like that sort of stuff at the time I was training for an ultra marathon. So I had two 50 K mountain races and back to back. So one was on Sunday and one's the next Sunday. And then I was also doing triathlon at the time I was training for like an Ironman event and I had all this in one season. So I was doing like a lot, a lot, a lot of training, you know, like I was doing, you know, half marathon every weekend. Like, so I was doing a lot, a lot of running and I, I always wanted to do unique things. So with speed running, uh, as much as I've done the main stuff, I've always done the weird side categories. I've done the blindfolded. I've done one hand NMG where you do NMG with one hand only. Okay. And I wanted to do something completely different that I don't think anyone had a ever attempted or B seen before. And I've searched the internet and I don't believe that I have seen anyone else do what I do. I've seen people walking on a treadmill. I've seen a couple of, 
people that are sort of maybe cycling a bike. I've never seen someone run like a half marathon distance while speed running right. and being a very competitive at the same time, which was my goal for this when I started. Like <laughs> I'm doing the runs anyway, every Saturday. Let's, why not just play the game and get my run at sure. the same time? I get both the practice. So I kind of put the idea out and I mentioned it to people in the community that I'd like to try this and, uh, you know, who thinks it's a great idea. And I got so much response from people. Like everyone was like, this is amazing. Like, this is so cool. I want to see this. Like, um, like, like, let us know when this is happening and blah, blah, blah. So I practiced and I practiced and it was really, really difficult at first. Like I, I had to like come up with like ways of like keeping my monitor down because the monitor was shaking on the treadmill. <laughs> so I yeah. had to like strap the monitor down and I had to like make sure the leads weren't and I had to like constantly walk the sweat off my face because the sweat was getting in the controller and mm -hmm. there was a lot of like weird stuff and then I had like my switch off to the, to the side and I was trying to work out a way I could talk to people as well without having a mic in my face and like there was, there was like a whole bunch of like yeah. you know a couple two or three weeks of trial and error and then there was the thing of like once I start I run I can't really reset because like <laughs> if I get to nah. the end of the day if I get to you know pod and I die well I'm eight kilometers in so then if I do another run, I'm going to be 22 kilometers by the time Gosh. I'm done. So, <laughs> you know, and funnily enough, when I got that 127, I did die, I think in pod before that 127. So I was already nine kilometers into a run and oh, had to reset. Man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> when I, when, so I had to start all over again. Um, but it was the, probably the biggest stream I've ever done. Um, without having any raids. Um, like it was just like a stream. I put it on. I don't know how many I got, like 40, 50, probably 60 people or something showed up mm -hmm. for that stream. I had, I didn't have any raids. It was like the biggest stream that I've, I've actively had where everyone sort of just showed up and everyone was in chat and everyone was hyped about it. And, and like, you know, it started off, it was like, is he going to get like a 135? And I was like, I was like, going to get 132. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, oh my God. Like he's actually, the people were like, oh my God, he's, he's ahead of me. This is embarrassing and it's like <laughs> <laughs> you know like i'm crushing like people's like that's TV fantastic times are like oh, everyone's like oh my goodness like he's actually like doing very very well and we didn't really have any idea where the bar was going to be set so we set the bar on top 100s that was like the we were <laughs> aiming for um and we finally got it on that stream um at the time when i got that pb it was 97th place on the leaderboard wow um and yeah it was it was, it was insane. I, I was really hoping that I would be able to do some of this stuff for marathons. I actually put it in for GDQ um, mm -hmm. twice and I put it in for some other big marathons and they weren't, especially when they were online, I was really hoping they were going to go for it because it, it was something really different that I don't think they would have seen before. So, sure. but now I'm out of training. Like I haven't ran for probably over two years. I've got, I've got into powerlifting lately um, and I've been working on that for the last two years, but if something never came up and somebody wanted me to do it for an event, I would definitely de-rust the running for it. It'd probably take me, you know, six weeks or so to de-rust sure, it yeah. and, and get up to training speed. But yeah, it was a cool thing and everyone loved it. And I'm glad it went over so well. And I was glad I was able to put up a 127, but I, I think, I think I can put up a 125. I, wow. I do. I think I could put okay. a 125 on the treadmill, which would be like <laughs> top 50. <laughs> I was just about to say, like, I, I had to go look at my time cause I haven't ran in a while and I'm like, okay, I'm below his time barely, but I'm below it. So but uh, if you get the 125, it's like, no, I don't know if that's going to pull me out of NMG retirement or not. <laughs> 
Oh man. So what, what pace are you running at during all this? Like, what, like, like, um, how, like what, what, what speed, I guess. So it, this is, this is kind of funny too, because, um, so I kind of run at about 5.5 uh, miles an hour. Okay. Um, average speed. So I think six miles an hour is about 10, 10 minute mile, I believe. I think 10 minute mile is six miles per hour. So about an 11 minute mile. Okay. I did 13, 30, 13 kilometers in one hour and 27 minutes, roughly. So it's not my fast, fast pace, but it's not slow by any matter, matter of means. Right. And one of the things I was actually going to do as an, in, as an incentive for some of these runs was um, if I got enough money raised, I would speed the treadmill up. Oh God. <laughs> for every incentive. Um, and I would speed it up by half a mile an hour, every incentive to the point where we would put cutoffs each thing. But the end goal was me trying to defeat Ganon running eight miles an hour. Oh God. <laughs> Dude. Which is like, that is like me full out sprinting. And yeah. I was trying to see if it was possible for me to sprint for two minutes and defeat Ganon. So that was kind of was what I was working towards in the end was to, was to slowly Jeez. be getting faster and faster to the point where I'm like full out running when I'm hitting GT. Um, That's crazy. It gets really, really hard because like things start to really shake and like <laughs> yeah. you're bouncing up and down and like you're sweating a lot. And <laughs> so, but yeah, it's about 5.5, I believe is the kind of the average speed. So it's, I, I did, I think 13 kilometers over an hour and 27 minutes roughly. So Okay. Yeah. But, the, but a, just over a two hour half marathon roughly. Wow. So like the, the most I've ever done is like, I've taken like my steam deck to the gym and like walked on a treadmill at like three and a half miles an hour on a, like a very slight incline just so it doesn't, you know, isn't too easy. Uh, and like tried to play a zooter, you know, like on that, like that's, that's about <laughs> yeah. the extent or, you know, or play an RPG, something that's not massive. And like in half the time, I think I've even mentioned this on go mode, but like, when I've done that, it, sometimes I get a little too attached looking at the screen and granted it's in my hands. So like if link goes to the left, I start going to the left <coughs> on, on the treadmill, which is yeah. very bad. <laughs> so I haven't biffed it quite yet. I I've had a couple of slips where I've almost fallen off, but I mean, I, I spent so much time on that treadmill. Like I was putting in so much time, like that treadmill was like my bed. Like, I, you know, I spent, you know, was doing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kilometers on it. So like I got used to doing it without, you know, I watch movies and I'm part of like Zwift. So there's like online running and running with different people and I've got discord calls. And so I was very, very used to, so it didn't, it didn't take me too long. The mm -hmm. only thing that happened a couple of times is I turned around to look at my chat, my tats over there and I've kind of veered off the treadmill and slipped and I actually cut, uh, uh, the treadmill cut a slice in my, my trainer once. Wow. <laughs> and to this day, I still have it. <laughs> and it, it, my, my part of my shoe was flopping off. <laughs> oh no. But other than that, other than that, I didn't really have any accidents where I, I, I fully expected to biff it into the wall at one point, but I didn't. <laughs> well, that's always good, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, that's dude, that is absolutely incredible. So I guess, um, you know, you, you've conquered all this, uh, you know, you mentioned Star Fox. Tell me, tell me, you know, we don't have to talk about random. Tell me about Star Fox. So what did you manage to accomplish recently? Uh, in I, I'm going to, I'll use the word speed running Star Fox. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I have a friend, uh, Jake, Jake, the snake is, he's called a uh, really, really cool guy. And back when I was, um, speed running, um, you know, 
NMG, you know, quite a long time ago, he asked me if I'd be interested in looking at Star Fox and he speedruns the game. And people always, and just like I'm asked, I was like, how do you speedrun a rail shooter? Like, is mm-hmm. it not just a progressives? Um, and I was kind of asking these questions. And he's like, well, I'll show you. So he's like, I fired up Star Fox and he's like, okay, go. And uh, I'm going to time you from when you start to when you get to the boss, because we're not going to include the boss fight. And I'm just going to show you how much time you're losing just scrolling through the screen. And I, I did a, t- a couple of attempts and he gave me his time. Then he did a couple of attempts and he absolutely crushed me. Wow. Like he's saving like 20 plus seconds on like the two minute um, screen scroller. And it was all about like lag reduction. So that game is basically how, because the game runs at 20 FPS and that's if there's nothing on the screen. That game oh. is known to go down to like four FPS and really bad <laughs> really? areas if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, it's horrendous. It's really, really bad FPS. Um, so he asked if I'd be interested in learning the speed run. And I learned it back then. And I wasn't really a good speedrunner back then. I was sort of okay. I didn't really understand like the practice and the mentality of how to like come up with strats and what would potentially be faster and what, what it looks like to go faster and how to use FPS counters and all the stuff that I learned over the years of running that. So I learned it for a little bit of time, um, but I didn't really give it too much interest. But I mean, I got a time, I think there's like 25 or 30 runs on the, the, the leaderboard. It's not a huge game, but it's still very competitively run at the top. I think I got 11th or 12th place or something. Okay. And then I stopped for a while, but I told him, I made him a promise. I said, I promise I'm going to come back and I'm going to beat your world record. I made him a promise. Okay. And this was about three years ago. He holds the world record for every single category in that game. Or he oh, did. Wow. He, there's 20 categories in the game, and he holds. He swept the whole the whole thing. Well, he was actually featured on Dev Plays and a bunch of stuff for it for having all these world records. And like I said, yeah, I made him a promise. Like, dude, I'm gonna come and get your world record. Be ready when I'm when I come. And I, I didn't see when it was gonna be, but I wanted to make sure I could dedicate time to it because I knew it was gonna take time. <clears throat> and about I can't remember when I started, but it was a few months ago, probably. Four five or six months ago before I got, I was actually before I got into Rando funnel. So probably seven okay. or eight months ago or so I was like, I messaged him. I was like, it's time you're going down. <laughs> <laughs> Call and it a I shot. just, I, I full on went for it and I was not stopping until I got that record. And, um, I kind of helped develop the practice hack for it because there wasn't a practice hack for it. So me and this guy in the community and Jake, uh, we all sort of worked together to make this practice hack. And like he knew the coding, I knew what I wanted from it and Jake knew the strat. So we all kind of worked together to make the practice hack and we developed the practice hack for Star Fox that has wow. an FPS counter, a reset button, very similar link to the past, but not quite on that level. And it was just a way that I could time things because Jake had basically just played the game over and over again and basically was sort of going roughly based on his splits, you know, how fast he was going. And it was loads of things that he wasn't 100% sure whether they were faster or not and had, didn't really have any way to sort of time it. And he's, mm-hmm. he's extremely knowledgeable about the game. And I wanted to just sort of 
come at it with some of my own stuff. I wanted to test is this faster, is this faster. So I kind of came in and developed a few different strats, but for the main part, it was sort of copying him and I got better and better and I slowly, you know, went up 10th and 5th and, and then like I got to 3rd and then I got to 2nd and then we yeah. started doing like um, beat the world record attempts because he started playing again and he's like, oh crap, he's getting close. I better try and beat my <laughs> world record because he's going to beat it. He realized that I was getting close. So we actually started streaming attempts against each other. We'd get in video, we'd get in voice calls and we'd race each other for three or four hours. That's to awesome. See, uh, to see if we could to beat the time and... um I eventually beat the the world record um, after um, you know probably another two or three weeks of trying. I finally got it. So so what is what's the category exactly for this? Um, the category that that I beat him was uh, level one warps, which is okay. like the, the biggest category in the game. So it's it's level one, and if you remember Star Fox, you go through level one, which is Corneria, then you get to the asteroid level, and there's a warp. And you warp from the asteroid level through the black hole, and then you basically go up and you finish the game. Okay. And you do two more levels. Um, and it's it's about 12 minutes long, the category. And the funny thing is, um, I got the world record in the level one warps, and I went on to another category, which was, a hun- I think it's level one warps 100%, mm-hmm. which is a slightly different category, but it's a little bit slower. But I went to try and get that world record and I got that world record and beat my level one warps world record at the same time. <laughs> so I got two world records in one run. <laughs> That's pretty sick. It, it was pretty sick at the time. It was like, at the time I was just so pumped. It was like super insane. And like, yeah, he was like so pumped. Cause like he, he like wanted someone to come and beat him to like inspire him to play because he, he'd held the, the world records for so many years and no one had really touched him. So yeah, like he was like, wanted me to get it so much and uh he, he's got pretty busy lately so he hasn't been playing so i still have them for the time being but i'm, I'm i know that, it, it, that he's gonna come back and, and get them again because <laughs> that's just who he is so i'm just waiting for that those times to come up and uh, i'm gonna have to try again but yeah it's it's so awesome when there's people who like inspire each other to try and get better at you know at, at like this niche hobby you know, like a lot of times people talk about like, you know, well, I'm, I'm the best at this or I'm the best at that. But it's kind of like the sometimes that that friendly ribbing back and forth uh, and say, I'm going to I'm going to beat you like it, it you know, it, it, it inspires you like him, him wanting you to come beat that record. Like I, I'm assuming drove you and you you put in meaningful practice. <clears throat> you use that term with a link to the past. Because uh, I'm assuming I, I had no idea that there was even a way to lag reduce Star Fox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's I, I love how you see that because different communities have different ideas on this. There's people that think that the you know trying to beat other people is not really a healthy thing, or like um, you know it's not like the idea of speedrunning. Speedrunning is about trying to be better than yourself and improve your own mm-hmm. time. And I, I I don't really buy that. Like there's nothing wrong with wanting to beat someone. Like the right. most fun that I've had is when me and someone else are like gunning for this time. And I'm like, oh, I want to get this time. Like I want to beat this guy. Like, and it's not that I want to crush this guy or I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't want them to do bad. Like I want them to do well as well. Like, I want us both to do well. You know, like right. it's, it's like, I want, it's for me, it's like, I'm inspiring people. Like, like if someone beats me, I, don't, I want to beat you back. Like I want, and I want you exactly. to beat me again. You know, like I'm, it's like, for me, it's inspiring. It gives me something to, to watch towards in speed running. Um, and some people don't uh, don't really get that side of it, and I get that too. 
Um, but I don't think we should try and curb like that kind of uh, mentality in, in speed running because I think it's awesome as long as it's healthy and you're not, you're mm-hmm. not, you know, there's nothing bad about it or you're not like, you know, doing it because you hate someone or, or, or anything yeah, like that. Sure. I don't want any else to, when I'm watching people speed run, I don't want them to like lose their run and because it's going to beat mine. I don't want them to don't want them to run to beat mine. Exactly. I want to beat someone because they're the best. I want to beat them because it's their best time and I can beat them because I've, I've beat them fair and square. Just like in Rando, like I said, like, like if, if you can't hover and, and you see me, you can't hover and you don't want me to hover, I'm not going to hover. Like if, you know, if buddy says to me, you might not hover. And of course of all, like, I want to beat you. Like, cause I can beat you. Sure. Not, not cause I know how to hover and you don't. Or, or if there was a trick that they said, you know, I don't know how to do that. Um, I'd be like, sure, I'll, I'll cut that out my run just so we can have a fair game. Like, uh, you know that this is how I've been always been, and like you talk about, like like the, you know helping one another. Like that's something that I'm huge on right now. Like I I love coaching people. Um, I I don't have you know I've started to get quite a lot of random experience now, but I have like the execution experience. I've got four plus years of playing the game weekly, and I mean a lot of time into it. Yeah, and I love coaching people. I love coaching people. Like I love when people come and, and they say, can I, can you help me do this? I'm like, yes, absolutely. I, I'd love to help. I love seeing people come through. I've coached them something and I see them do it in a run. I'm like, yes. Yeah. I taught them that, you know, like, <laughs> oh, yeah. you know, like, uh, you know, like, cause people did it for me when I went through the ranks. Um, and now that I'm pretty much near the top, you know, there's, there's very few people that can really give me a good, no, that's like no offense, but like you, you have to be a certain level in order to really take me to the next level. You have right. to have a full understanding of what I'm doing wrong, which I can probably analyze and other people can't analyze, but it helps when it's coming from someone who has been there. They know what it's like to get like a 123 or they know what it's like to get to the next level. And, um, I see that in, in Randall a lot and um, with joining this community, um, you know, like there's, there's a lot of people that, you know, the, the, the execution is kind of all over the place and people are losing lots and lots and lots of time. And, uh, you know, it wouldn't take much just to sort of clean that up. And, oh yeah. And I, and I always say to people, like, uh, I message loads of different people randomly just cause I watched the stream. I'm like, Hey, you know what? Like I saw this, um, if you want to work on it sometime, like just give me a shout. And almost everyone's like, I'd love to. And I've done so many calls with people over the last month, even where I've just like done like three hours again and with some people in a discord the other day and I did some uh, escape stuff with someone. I did some boss fights with some other people the other day. And right. Like <clears throat> I, I just love coaching and teaching. So, I mean, if anyone's listening and you, they like they want to practice anything like low percent fights or master sword fights, like just, just DM me. Like I'm more than happy to do <laughs> stuff with anyone. You know, <laughs> yeah, and I, I think you know, in like a, a, one word or phrase you've used, uh, the meaningful practice. I, I think a lot of times we'll see this in rando a lot. I see this in speed running some, uh, like, and I honestly see it a lot in dance games. Uh, you know, I, I think dance games you could probably say I'm like the 123 level, you know, comparing it to uh, NMG. So it's like the meaningful practice, it's not about just playing the song over and over and over. And just, it's like figuring out what are you doing? Like, what are the micro corrections that you can try and mentally make? Uh, and it applies to rando. It applies to star Fox. It applies to NMG where you, you want to make the most of your time. 
Uh, and I think your mindset is like, it's really commendable because it seems like everything you do, these, these ultra marathons, the Ironmans, good Lord, my boss did an Ironman. I think those are absolutely insane. Uh, so props for that. Uh, and then, you know, and doing NMG while running, like, I don't know, man, you, you get, you have to have this like very unique mindset, I think to tackle all that and to do all of it very well. Uh, so if anybody's good at, you know, going to be good at teaching, I would assume it would be you like, I guess next mentor tournament, you're probably going to have, you know, people lined up, you know, out the discord door, so to speak, (laughs) (laughs) like teach me how to execute right now. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, uh, you're, you're right. It, It does take a certain type of person to do this sort of stuff. Like, um, you know, yeah, yeah, it, it just does. It's, it's hard to explain, but like, you know, whether it be, you know, a speed running goal or whether it be an Ironman or whether it be like, there's a certain like mentality that you have to have, like you can get to a certain level in you know, like ALTTP, for example, with just, um, sheer skill and getting better. But then mm-hmm. there's a point where you have to have a good mentality or a good vibe with the game because you don't get from sub 90 to 124 in a month. You, you just right. don't. Like, and I know because we've gone through the statistics of how long it's taken from people to get from, you know, this to this. And I'm, I'm on like kind of the higher end of it where I progressed from, you know, 126 to 125 to 124 pretty, pretty fast. Um, and we've looked at other top runners in the top 20 and 30 and gone through how long, you know, and some of them, it took them, you know, four five, six months to get from just 125 to 124. Mm-hmm. From the time they got the first 125 to get the 124, you're looking at like three months minimum. I think I was just over three months or something, three, four months maybe. Uh, and some people are like six months, some people might be seven or eight months. So like you have to have like a certain degree of commitment to, yeah. to going through because there's so many people that get there and they don't make it over the line. Because mm-hmm. that's what it's all about for like the next time barrier. Like everyone talks about the next time barrier and the lower that you go, it's about committing to it. Like I'm going to get a 124. And for me, it was like, I'm getting a 124 no matter what. That that was it. I was not doing anything else like commitment and hobby wise until I got it. And it wouldn't matter if it took three, four, six, like that was it. Um, and, and it's tough. I, I lost so many <laughs> runs. I had a 125.07. I had an 05. I had an 02. I had an 01. Oh, <laughs> you man. know, like I yeah. was right at the 01, um, you know, two seconds there. And, and, and I lost multiple runs. But yeah, it's, I, I do believe that um, I, I'm a good teacher as well. I, I've done a lot of coaching, not just in speed running, but I've, I've coached, uh, you know, basketball, I've coached uh, football, um, soccer. I've also, um, I coach people at the gym. I'm into, big into the gym. I actually went to, to school for, for personal training. Um, I'm actually coaching someone right now, actually, okay. um, on some strength training. And I'm, coaching people right now in, 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 in uh, um, speed running and some rando. And I'm kind of always teaching people. I, I, I don't mind you know some people, I'm not, not like tooting my own horn, but I, I believe I'm a good teacher. I mm-hmm. really do. I like teaching people. I get a lot of enjoyment out of it. And everyone that I've taught tells me like they really enjoy like learning from me. So I think it's something that as long as I'm in the scene, I'm going to be doing just like I like to learn from others who are, who are, who can teach me, you know? And right. I, like I said, that's, that was one of the great things about coming to the randomizer scene was I went from being someone who was teaching all the time to 
oh, I was a noob and I was the right. one being taught. And then it was <laughs> great to be on the other side of it for a change where I could sit back and, and learn from experienced people. Just soak and, it all yeah, up. Soak it all up. Yeah. yeah, it was fantastic to be on the other side of it. So, and that's why I think the mentor tourney is such a great thing. It, it honestly is fantastic. I, like I said, I wouldn't be here playing Rano if it wasn't for that journey. A hundred percent without a doubt. That's awesome. So, um, are you, are you a teacher by day? Like, is that your, is that your day job? Do you, or, or, you know, you don't have to answer that if you don't want to. No, no, I, I'm, I'm definitely not a teacher. Um, I, I work <laughs> for an internet company. Okay. So I install uh, internet products, uh, TV products. Um, I do technician stuff on the lines, uh, some electrical work. So um, I'm like a tech in the field. Okay. I wasn't so sure, like if you mentioned uh, coaching people in at, at the gym for strength training and other things. So I, I guess like that, that's, that's the side hobby, side gig, right? Yeah, that, that's just, uh, I guess, more of a passion. Um, if I'm knowledgeable about, about something, I, I like others to to be knowledgeable, uh, as, as knowledgeable as they can yeah. about it. I think there's a lot of, um, and I mean, the big thing I can see, like I can use the gym, for example. So, I mean, I've been in and out of gyms my whole life. I've, I have I went to college for personal training. Um, I've been, you know, somewhat in the gym and out of the gym for about 10 to 12 years. Mm-hmm. And I, I've, my knowledge is pretty good. I understand a lot about it, you know, like form and technique. And I go into the gym sometimes and I look at people and I'm like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> Dude, I know, like, the, I know the like feeling. People don't have a clue. Like there's like these young kids come in and they're all trying to do like one rep maxes with the worst form you've ever seen. And like, yep. I, I, Try not to interrupt too much, but like sometimes I just can't help myself. I'm just like, yeah, this is not the way to the way to train. Yeah. Like, you know, like a, a one rep max doesn't make you stronger. It's a test of your strength. You need to get your base training in, you know, get your five by fives and get on a program for, you know, 10 to 16 weeks where you build up your bench and your, yep. and there's nothing wrong with going in and doing these crazy one rep maxes, but you don't have a clue what you're doing. You're just going to hurt yourself. Right. Oh yeah. And, and I think that <laughs> you know what I'm talking oh, I, about. I right? do. I do. hundred <laughs> percent. I, I love when I love slash hate like the summertime. Like I'm glad it's kind of over now or we're getting back people are in school again because when i when i go to the gym in the middle of the afternoon most days uh you know especially in summer it's like all these college kids are coming home uh or like these high school kids are out of school so like the gym's chaos it's like they (laughs) and it's like man i mm, I, i'm i'm not gonna be the guy who gives the unsolicited advice but man you're making me cringe like i'm worried for your health a little bit here yeah (laughs) It's funny. It's funnily enough. I've 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 taken two or three of them aside now, and they're now following actual training programs, and they're oh, making wow. huge strength gains in the last two or three months. And like, we, I've got a few of them off away from that kind of uh, you know mentality, the ego lifting, gym, the, the ego lifting, and yeah. all that. But I'm actually thinking about starting a program at the gym where I I, I coach. I'm looking at just sort of getting my mm-hmm. basics so I can actually coach uh, with a license and go in and just teach people the, the basics of strength training or if you're trying to build muscle, like, you know, like in the rep ranges you want to be in, show them form, show them what eccentric concentrics all right. about, like give them an understanding of, of like, what are your goals? Like make your training specific, like 
don't just come in here and just throw big weights around. Like you just, it's just not cheating yeah. or anything. It's just wasting your time. So exactly. And, and uh, to bring that into kind of like gaming, I, I see it the same way with speed running. So, <clears throat> I mean, we have a lot of resources out there for speed running, especially in like the link to the past community. You know, we have the FMG tutorial, which is the most amazing tutorial you're ever going to see. And, you know, they have like fruit bats as beginner tutorial, mm-hmm. but referring people to tutorials doesn't always do it because, you know, People don't always understand what they're trying to do, even if they're following something that tells them what to do. Yeah. Like people, you know, like you can give someone a, a, a tutorial and be like, this is how you do it. And then you watch them in practice and, and I've done it. I've, I've given them a complicated room and I'll say, here's this room. I'm going to show you a video and try and copy it. And they, like, they're doing it all wrong. And then they're just doing it wrong and they're doing it even more. And they're not mm-hmm. actually understanding it. And I'm like, okay, they don't actually understand like the different parts of this, of this technique. And I think that that's where live coaching really comes into it. Like just explaining, like, like going back to meaningful practice, I call it efficient practice. So like a, a lot of times I'll take people for a practice session and we'll go, okay, let's a practice session. Oh, I've practiced lots and lots. Okay, okay, let's see, let's see what your practice sessions yeah. are like. So they fire the practice hack and they load up, uh, I don't know, Land Molus. So they do a fight. And then they go back into the screen. They go back into desert. They scroll down. They hit Land Molus. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> and then they do it again. And they do it again. I'm like, okay, so you've never set up your shortcut configurations, yes. have you? So every, every time that you're practicing this room, you're losing umpteen amounts of time by not Oh, I didn't know those shortcuts existed. Okay. And yeah. now we've got the shortcuts for the, the, the last presets. Now we're going to learn how to make safe states. And we're going to show you how to make safe states. You know, how to use the pause and unpause and get yourself in specific positions in safe states so that you can practice efficiently this part. You know, and once you've got mm-hmm. that part done, we'll reload the rim and go back. So that kind of stuff is not really documented all too well. And I think that once you get people going with that and... Uh, you know, people want to get going. I just want to do the room, but like sometimes you have to stop for 20 minutes and just explain, trust me, you need to learn how to actually practice properly before you do these rooms, because you're going to get so much faster, better, like quicker, because you're going to know how to practice, how to use safe states, where to make the safe states, when and when and how to time things. And a lot of times I just show people that and then I'll, I'll check up on them like, you know, a week later and I go in and like, they'll just be doing a practice session and I'm like, they're, they're flying ahead. Oh yeah. They're making safe states and they're, they're doing this. And I'm like, wow. Like that all they needed was like the simple, how to use the practice act effectively. Mm-hmm. effectively. Otherwise they would be stuck loading in the damn rooms and scrolling every time they wanted to reload that room. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Some people think that's how you practice and you mean, you can practice like that, but it's not the most efficient way to practice anyways. So. Oh yeah. It's very similar like at the gym of people who, and I'm very guilty of this. I think everyone is at some point or another uh, of you do a set of lifting weights and then you, you, instead of like letting your timer tell you, okay, you're resting for a minute and a half or two and a half minutes, depending on the, like the intensity you're scrolling on your phone and then the timer goes off and you keep scrolling on your phone. So you waste all this extra time and <laughs> your training suffers, whether or not you really know it, what, know it or not. <laughs> so it's like, it's super inefficient. And it, to me, it's like you're scrolling through all these menus. It's very, it's very comparable <laughs> in my mind. <laughs> yeah, no, hundred percent, hundred percent. It's exactly like that for sure. It just makes it is the most important thing about practicing and people don't actually realize it. it's something I plan to make a video on as how to actually practice 
efficiently without actually showing people how to practice rooms because it is like the most important thing. And it, and I mean, uh, when I mean everyone, I mean everyone that I have seen so far that come out of the Rando tournament. I've probably taken got 10 people aside now for coaching sessions and every single one of them and some of them are top run, like very good runners and some of them are like sort of just learning and all of them do the same thing. Yeah. This is how everyone thinks that the, 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 this is natural progression and when I show them these things they're like, whoa, like how on earth was I ever doing this before? Like this is so silly and I'm like, yeah, of course it's silly. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, not, not like I'm calling them silly but it's like when, when I see it like I'm just like, I'm having a damn aneurysm watching them reload the room every time. You know? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, stop, stop, so stop what you're doing. Like just go back to Link's bed or something. Let's just start yeah. again. Like, <laughs> before I have a damn heart attack. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> that's phenomenal it's it's relatable i mean I, I i feel that way like i worry about when my kid decides to start playing dance games and if she takes it serious like i do you know then i'm gonna be like okay this is how you play efficiently but i don't want to ruin the fun and there's there's some people and i think you're good at probably seeing this in rando in the rando community in the racing scene there's people who are here to compete and there are people here to have a good time and sometimes the people who have are here for the good time are trying to practice, but they, they don't want to put in, you probably see this from folks, but you, they don't want to put in that extra effort, you know, to get better. Maybe think about making better decisions, uh, trying to play to their win condition. They're just, you know, we're kind of going to green squares and if you're having fun doing it, I think that's fine You know, for this game. Same thing for speed running. If you, I don't know if you ever just pop up NMG and just say, I'm going to do this for fun one day. And you're just like zoning out, just doing it to pass an hour and a half or so, then that's totally fine too. But you know, if you want to say, I want to get good at this, you, you got to have that mindset. And like you said, making videos, teaching people that way, it, even tutorials. Like I think a lot of it is a mentality and a lot of it is whether it be like a blessing or a curse on folks, if you don't have the mentality of, or the drive, I guess it's probably the better word of I want to do like practice the best way I can to improve myself, then you're going to have issues where it's like, I feel like I'm just not, I'm, I'm stagnant constantly. Yeah. I think, um, my, I guess my point to that is that when I take people aside, it's because I know yeah. that they want to get better. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm not choosing some random person that is just like, <laughs> like I, I, I know when people, like I, I keep an eye on people. I have my own Discord, so I know who's in my Discord and I, I have DMs with people and, and, and it's the people that say, I want to get better at execution. I, this is my goal. Mm -hmm. right? And these are the people I'm like, right, okay, buckle up. You know, <laughs> but if people <laughs> I don't harness. have that mentality, yeah, yeah I'm not going <laughs> to hit them with stuff. Like, I, you know, I'm oh, not yeah. saying to, uh, like uh, something here or there, but uh, you can usually tell the people, like I said, that's part of being a good teacher. Um, you know, I know the people that want to get better at this. Um, and those are the people that I take aside um, that say, I want to practice. I want to do NMG. I want to do yeah, better execution, that sort of stuff. There's always this big thing in the, in the, you know, the rando community that, you know, I think there's definitely a lot more people who play rando and don't practice. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, you can get better from playing the game over and over uh, again, but in my opinion, uh, you can get better 
faster by practicing. And you know, there's yeah. people that have, you know, maybe don't practice that much and they've been playing and their execution amazing. They probably have a great NMG time, but most of those people have been playing rando for a very long time. They're, you know, they've only done right. rando and they, you know, they're, they're fantastic. They're, they execute very well because they've been playing like that for many, many years. But if you're someone that's new to the game, I'm, and, and you want to get better at rando and, and that is your number one goal. I'm going to tell you to spend some time practicing, at least learn the Ganon fight, you know, like the, the Ganon tempered, you know, I basically go through all your bosses Yeah, and learn them all with tempered and learn them all with master sword. You don't have to be a God, but you should be able to do a Ganon fight with tempered and not die you know, without silvers. Mm -hmm. And the same with Master Sword. You should be able to get to a point, once you've done the basics and you've learned the rando and all that, when you get to a point where you're kind of getting a little bit stagnant with your routing and, you know, the next big step in your routing is going to be, you know, two or three months of, of yeah. researching and doing streams. At that point there, I think it's, you know, okay, now it's time to where we can really start again. Because I think, <clears throat> I think that people don't realize the amount of time that they actually lose sometimes. And I've done this, with a couple of people so far, I'm, I'm not going to name any names, but I, I think I actually shot people. I, I was taking their streams and I put them in Ganon's tower and I'd give them a minute's head start on the climb. Oh no. So I, I, so I knew they'd done the climb and I was like, how much time do you think you lost from just the climb? So starting at Mimics 1 through to Ganon. And I'd say, you know, all oh, these oh, maybe, I don't know, like four thirty, forty seconds. So I get my ninety second head start sometimes and I'd I'd finish it before them. Wow. And I'm like, you just lost over ninety seconds to me on that one section. You know, and some yeah. of these people have been playing Rando for two plus years. And like I actually shot them. And I was like, okay, the, 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 when I'm telling you this, like, I'm not, I'm like, people don't actually realize, like, you know, I, I know every single room. I know exactly how much time you're losing. When I see you lost three seconds in Mimics, you lost three seconds in Mimics. The next room, you lost another three <laughs> seconds. You just lost 20 seconds in Gauntlets. You've lost six in Lamo. You've just lost five in Torches and another five in the next Torches room. Um, you've just, you know, like it, it yeah. just compounds, like you, you've got a four or five cycle Aga two and you've missed the one in one in Ganon. Like, like I, I can do mass pretty damn quickly in my head and say, okay, you just lost 90 seconds here or you just lost 60 seconds here. Wow. And so, you know, being able to like just clean up and you don't have to do lots of, lots of things, but sometimes it's just like people are doing a strat that the learn from someone a way, way back. And it's just a slow strat. Like mm -hmm. I see people do this strat and mimics one where they hold the wall and they, they move the mimics all over the place. <laughs> I'm guilty of that until recently. Like, what, 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 where does that come from? Like, like, that's, a on strat. <laughs> that's a random strat. I'm like, what is this strat? I've taken so many people aside and shown them like Joe mimics, which is a very easy strat. And it saves like a second or a couple of seconds or it's like really mm -hmm. easy. And I'm like, wow. Okay. Like, and people are like, okay, this wasn't hard at all. You know, and it's just that people don't know. Yeah. And, yeah. And I mean, I, I, I don't like mean to peck on people or anything like that, but like, no, it's, I get I, I kind get of like invested. I'm just like watching people. I'm like, what on earth is this? Like, what? <laughs> Where? What? Like, it's just stuff I've never seen before. Like they're doing things. I'm like, oh, um, all right. Okay. Yeah. And then I'll time it out and I'll do it myself. And I'm like, whoa, this is really slow. And these are good players. And I'm like, I'm sorry, dude, you are way better than this. I'm going to take you and, you know, I'll, I'll show them the room. I'll show them a couple of times they do it. And they're like, oh, this is easy. I'll just do this now. And I'm like, yeah, 
the, the, you know, sometimes that's all yeah. it takes. Like, you don't, it doesn't need to be like a huge three hour session. It's just like, here's a, maybe a couple ideas for the shroom or here's like, you know, you know, mm-hmm. like don't use medallions in gauntlets sometimes because if you have temperatures, yeah. you, you know what I mean? Like, you waste so much time. It does. <laughs> it wastes an insane <laughs> amount of time uh, in, in comparison. You're like gauntlets one, two, three, four, and the medallion, medallion, medallion. I'm just like, what are you doing? <laughs> It's, it's easy to make up, you know, lose 90 seconds to you if you're doing that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you've only got fighter sword and you've only got three hearts, I understand. But yeah, yeah. Like oh, <laughs> you yeah. got like 20 hearts and you got tempered and gold and you got silver arrows. Like, you know, we don't need to be using the medallions. Like <laughs> <laughs> for sure. So, all right. So we're, I'm not going to talk about the mentor tournament because we've, uh, we talked about that in, in, in depth uh, on go mode. So tell me, tell me how rando has been for you. Um, you know, I guess at this point of, you know, past the mentor tournament, I know you're in the league, but the league has just really got rolling. You know, we're in the middle of week two as we're recording this. So how's your experience been so far? Yeah, it's, it's been fantastic. Um, I really, really enjoy Rando. Um, I, you know, I never, I never really had an opinion on Rando too much because I didn't really know too much about it. And when I was doing NMG and I thought at some point I may try it, but I honestly didn't think I would get into it. Like I have like, like full on pretty much all I'm doing at the moment is randomizer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it, it reignited the love in the game for me. Not that I, you know, sometimes when you're, when you're doing like speed running, it, it does burn you out. And, and I get that people, you know, people don't, you know, people, some people just don't understand NMG. They don't want to do it. You know, whatever that that's fair. Um, <clears throat> but when you get into doing like, um, long grinds of like three months when you're trying to get like a time barrier or, you know, like, you know, sometimes you're spending three, six months just playing NMG over and over again. Um, it, it, it does get to a point where, you know, it, it can kind of burn you out sometimes you need a little bit of a break. Um, and <clears throat> you're not, you got the same love that you had for it when, you know, a few months ago. And then all of a sudden you go back to it and you love it again. So mm-hmm. it, and then, uh, speed running is kind of like that for me. It's like you go through spurts of playing it, then you take a break and you go back and you take a break. So, um, at the time when I, um, when I kind of was getting into Randall, I wanted a break from what I was doing. Um, you know, it was just speed running pretty hardcore and got into the Randall and it, I, I basically went off with it. I, I, I really, really love it. It's fun. It, it's one of the main reasons that I enjoy it is that I can lose and it's not my fault. Yeah. I, I, you know, people, you know, so oh, yeah. here's, here's the thing that I, that my model, I guess this is, this is my speed run, that my rando model. So, uh, you can be salty at your execution, but don't be salty over rando. That, that is what I tell myself. If I last locate something, I laugh. Like, yeah, I last located it. Right. I played this seed as worst as possible. I deserve a medal for that. No, like, <laughs> <laughs> but if I die, like, because, or, you know, I make a mistake and I die and like, sure, I'm going to be salty. Like, I'm like annoyed because that was my fault. I, I didn't execute yeah. well. I, I, I know better or I made a mistake and I, and I, I died or, or whatever it is like. Yeah, I'm, I, I think like being upset about stuff like that is completely fine. It's no different in NMG when you mess around up or you die to a boss. Like I get a little bit salty. Like like so what? Like it's nothing wrong with showing emotion. It just shows that you care. Um, but yeah. I, I never really get that way with uh, with like random decisions. Um, you know, like it doesn't matter if I I wrote a well or bad or or whatever like that. Um, you know, if I run out of bombs, which I've done a couple of times, I get a little bit annoyed about that. Like oh, I went to I've, I've done that so many 
many times um, and, and, and practice and stuff and I'm like oh like, it drives me nuts but again like I I try not to get um, down about you know last locating something or making a decision that doesn't go like because like what, what's the point it, it's like it yeah. is random at the end of the day it's random so having that mentality um, coming into randomizer and you know like I said like coming from NMG where if you lose it's, it's usually your fault because you didn't execute well or sometimes you know the, the player is a little bit better than you and that's fair enough as well if you did your best and it's okay but right, right. in this you could play your best and you get crushed you know oh yeah <laughs> like you could play the you know you could play play the best game of your life and you get beat by 10 minutes and it's like that's random and and for me, that was like, yeah, a lot of people are, you know, like they might see like the negative side to that. I actually think it's a positive thing from my background mm -hmm. uh, coming from speedrunning. It's like, wow, like I don't mind losing at all. Like, bravo, like GG's, man. You like, you routed it better than me. Fantastic. You More know, like, people <laughs> need that mentality, I think, like in this community at the, the higher end, I think, you know, myself included probably where... Um, you know, you, you can't win everything and especially in a randomizer, you can't treat it as such. You can only, the only thing you can control really is your decision and your execution. And so if your decisions don't pan out, well, you know, if you misread the logic, I guess that's a shame on, you know, shame on me type thing. But if it was just a 50, 50, you know, you can't really, what are you going to just cry to the wind about a 50 50. I mean, I've done it, yeah. you know, like <laughs> yesterday, for instance, I, I did a practice casual boots, you know, cause I got to play that this week. And I, uh, I was, you know, I was on it. I was playing well. And then I had the casual boots experience where hour and a half in, I'm looking for an ice rod. I've already been through TR. <laughs> I've gone through two of the three pendant dungeons. It's on this crazy trail. Uh, it turns out I had to get a book from a pendant dungeon and then do a, a Bombos tablet all by itself. Like you can't, you can't predict that, you know? So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, you, I say that a lot. I say it, I say it a lot because, you know, I, I, I need to hear it myself where it's like, you can't control everything. So you have to, you just kind of have to laugh about it. Like you've said, I think even AFG when he was on this show talked about like, you know, if he plays it terrible, he's just going to laugh about it. Cause he's just enjoying the game. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I, you know, I, I hear like, I've heard sometimes, you know, oh my God, he, he won because he, he did uh, left side swamp when we could have <laughs> did this. And it's like, <laughs> what? Like, <laughs> like yeah. who cares? Like, that was his decision. Yeah. Like, I, I, I do funky stuff as well. Like, so like, you know, I, how I play rando racing is I actually study my opponent and because I have an execution advantage over my opponents, that depicts how I'm going to play the game. So I kind of work mm. out how much time I have in, in my hands against a specific opponent execution wise, if we were to just execution versus execution. And I wrote that based on, or I wrote my route based on that. So if it's doing a casual boots, for instance, if I know that I have, you know, eight, nine minutes of execution, I will full clear more. I will basically do a full clear efficiency seed you know, if it's, um, you know, par and par, then I will maybe do some skips. I might not do the skull woods. I might, uh, you know, maybe drop hair basement or something like that, but I'm going to play a uh, pretty much a full clear seat, but I might skip a couple of things. But then sure. if I'm playing someone who I know is better than me, like the, the similar execution, but the rand was far better then I am just going on a wild ass route. The minute that a pendant <laughs> dungeon opens up, I'm just beelining for it and the hopes that I get something and that's how I'm beating them. And I know that somewhere down the line, people are going to like be slow. Maybe 
maybe a little bit salty about that and go like, why did he do that? Well, I'm telling you right now, that's why. Oh, because yeah. they're better than me and I am literally flipping the coin and hoping that my progression's in pod and I'm beelining for it because it's a, <laughs> you know, because it's a pendant. <laughs> so, yeah, like I said, I, I, I know every person that I, if I'm racing you, I have watched you. Trust me, I've watched probably a couple of your runs. I know exactly what you do. I know where you're going to falter. I'll know things like, uh, like right down to the, the, uh, do we have swords in this fight? Okay. We don't have swords in this fight. I know this person is not good at cold stare and we have a crystal mm-hmm. cold stare. Uh, I'll know exactly what kind of struggles they're going through, um, based on like layouts and things like that. It's like, I like, I get really detailed with them. Like wow. if, if we ain't finding swords, I know which boss fights are going to struggle with and what they're going to put off last and sort of things like that, because people do that. They might not go to moth with a fighter sword or they might not go to like, so mm-hmm. you, you can kind of like, you, there's a lot of knowledge to be gained out of, out of knowing that sort of stuff. And I'm also, I also like doing uh, weird routes and races for, strictly because in casual boots, you know, you get one or two sort of main lines. And if you follow the main lines, then you you know roughly where you're going to be versus your opponent. If Because if, again, if you study yeah. them and you know the route and they do that route the same every time, if you do something a little bit different, you get knowledge on both sides. So say like I, you know, sometimes I'll, you know, come out of escape if I have 300 in Kaz boots, I'll do a Hulahan. I'll go Hulahan and then I'll go straight South Shore if I have bombs or I'll go to Saha. And then I'll maybe do the South Shore and I'll do CAC last, for example. Um, I know that person's going to CAC and they're working their way around the South Shore. So depending on what items I pick up in South Shore and then when I get into CAC, I'll kind of know roughly where I'm at in that race. Okay, yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because I, I know where I've picked up the items and I know what I, they're going to pick up and when they're going to pick it up. Mm-hmm. If, if they do like the same route that they usually do. And you kind of know like whether you're ahead or behind based on that. And you can kind of make your decisions on that. It's, sometimes that works out a lot. And then sometimes you get kicked in the ass by it. But oh, yeah. I, <laughs> I kind of like having that different, you know, routes or whatever and, and just like, you know, do some clowning. I like to do clowny stuff sometimes or not all the time, but right. like, I don't mind like doing weird routes and things just to give the commentator something to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> so have you done spoiler yet? Have you done any spoiler? Like, so, so no, I'll give you a little progression, I guess, of kind of where I've gone with this. So I kind of focused, like I said, on open standard and the casual boots. That was kind of the three that mm-hmm. I focused on for mentor training, obviously. Um, I got really, really good at them. Um, the casual boots is my jam. I'm very good at it. Um, you know, and then standard, I'm obviously good at it as well. And it opens probably, you know, like the three, the third one from the list, cause it's, you know, less execution with the boots and stuff. Um, I then learned um, <clears throat> co- I learned uh, all dungeons and not yeah. the key shuffle one, but just like the all dungeons for, for league, the co-op one, all dungeons. Um, I learned that because of league. So I've kind of progressed a little bit into doing that kind of stuff. I've done animizer and I'm actually very good at animizer. I found out. Okay. Um, I uh, obviously I've done a lot of like, like, like three heart low, if you know what that is. Yeah. So three heart low is, you know, NMG, but you only have three hearts and a master sword for the whole game. So you're mm-hmm. pretty much one hit kill through. So, so that pretty kind much. of experience really <laughs> literally kind of like lends itself to animizer where you get a lot of low boss fights and been able to, you know, go around the map and dodge sprites and exactly. that sort of stuff. So I, I've done a fair bit of that and uh, I've done some different co-ops with people and people have been very surprised considering I've only done four or five of them and I've done very, very well in them. So I know that's kind of a, a strong point of mine. 
Um, but the one thing that I haven't done, I've done two spoilers and people always ask me about this because they pe- obviously I'm an NMG guy, NMG guy. I'm very good at low percent stuff. People are really excited for me to, to do spoiler. Um, I've got people, uh, in my discord, like that want to do spoilers for me and, and, and want to get me going with that. Like they want to do like pilot spoiler stuff. Oh, so yeah. I, th- I think that once the, um, once the league is over, I'm going to be doing pilot um, AADs or keys or something like that. The pilot keys? It's funny, like, yeah. yeah, pilot keys. So I've never done a key thing. I did a hundo keys thing for a laugh, but I haven't done much keys thing. But if someone tells me where to go, it doesn't matter. So just tell me well, where to go and I'll get it. I mean, you're going <laughs> to get the opportunity in one of these weeks um, yeah, for, well, for pilot up, keys. It's coming yeah. up in week three, yeah. So, like, I haven't actually well, done the, it yet. Yeah, but, that's the key sanity uh, mode. So that'll be fun. Every, uh, yeah, so that'll be my first time doing, like, pilot keys i'll do obviously a few practice sessions before it but <laughs> i think once the tournament's done i'm gonna focus on getting spoiler done because i think i'm going to be very very good at it um it's just going to take a bit of time to um, i actually put in i know not everyone thinks like this but i actually think it would be beneficial to open up the spoiler to a bigger time limit in some some instances, you mean like, you mean to have it go beyond fifteen minutes to like yeah, 20? I, to- I totally do. I think that the fifteen minute barrier um, kind of locks it to people that are very good at manipulating notepads and spreadsheets. Like no, like I've spoken to people that have have tried spoiler for like a few months, and mm-hmm. even like a few months in, they still can't get it to 15, 20, even twenty five minutes because they just don't have like the the court. The, the coordinates or uh, yeah, the coordination. Yeah. The coordination to, to yeah. make it work and get the things over and get their, their route in time. And the people that are good at like searching and deleting and copy pasting and blah, 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 and you can do like, I've watched people do it and they're going like lightning speed. And I'm like, Holy smokes. Like if you, that's, <laughs> that's like a skill in itself that you have to learn. And I yeah. get like, I get that the both sides of the argument, like, you know, maybe you have to route some things on the fly and all that sort of stuff. But like, you know, I've only done a few and I, I, I'm lucky to get it under half an hour ish at the, at the moment. And I know okay. like me personally, I could get it down to 15 minutes, no problem. But I think if you kind of open it up to something like 25 minutes, mm-hmm. that the people who can do it in 15 minutes, there's not going to be any detriment to them. But the people that need 10 more minutes to be, to get a race going, like that's going to benefit both people. And I think there's a lot of people that are put off by that 15 minute time, like myself included, um, I'm not going to race it until I'm good enough. Um, so if that takes me two or three months um, to, to get it down to that 15 minutes, I'm going to wait until I can do that till I can race. Okay. Um, but if they said that, you know, if they, if they said it was going to be, we're going to give people 30 minutes, I'd race it right now. No problem. I, I'd start racing it immediately because I know I can do it in 30. And I, I actually talked to quite a lot of people about it. And a lot of people were sort of shit. I'm not going to name any names, but I know a lot of people that, are, that don't do it because of the 15 minute time limit. And I mentioned if there was, you know, 25, minutes would they do it and they said absolutely so uh, it may not be a huge number but i think that a, a lot of people are, are maybe a little put off by you know that that kind of uh sure i, I know some people would say it, it's an elite thing that you you have to be able to do it in 15 minutes and in race to, to right. be able to get to you know what i mean it's not so much the game knowledge um, and the game execution it's also yeah. like computer knowledge so to speak it's yeah, like it's if computer you can knowledge, do it fast yeah. So, I mean, I have, I've heard people make the argument that it should be a smaller window. And this is where things get interesting because I hear you saying and other and you saying others that it should be longer where, you know, we kind of have it's really cool that Sahabot has the capability where we could just put a time in in seconds and tell it how many minutes to do. So, like, 
I, I'd be curious to see, you know, if you guys start doing spoilers after league's over, I'd be curious to see what a 25 minute or a 30 minute spoiler window looks like for, for people who enter them like, you know, pickup races and just see how things pan out. Does that bring in more people to play? Because I'm going to assume, like you said, the people who are doing well in that 15 minutes are going to probably do a little better. They're probably going to have more time to map out all their keys. Potentially. 100%. So 100%. I, I, it would be interesting to get some metrics on it. I think for sure. Yeah. And I see both sides of it too. I could see the fun side for the people that are really good at 50 minutes to like do no minutes. Oh yeah. <laughs> like yeah. it'd be absolutely insane, but open a spoiler log and then like, I can see like the fun in that. Like, like I, I still do see the other side of it. Like it don't, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Like I just think that the standard has been set at 50 minutes for racing, like most of the stuff I've seen, like tournaments and, and ladder and all that has all been 50 minutes and it's not going to make a difference to me. Don't worry. I will get as good as I need to get to get that spoiler into 15 minutes. So it doesn't matter. It might take me right. a few months to get there, but I know that the other people won't. And, uh, I think, you know, that's why I mentioned that, you know, maybe just add, it doesn't have to be 25, maybe maybe 20 minutes, but I don't know, like for me to get a basic route right now, and I've done like five or six or seven of them. And I've done a few offline where I'm not even running them. And they're, they're taking me around 25 to 30 minutes and I'm pretty good. Like I use computers all day long. I can copy paste. Mm-hmm. I can do this control F I can search. I know how to do all these functions, but it still takes me. And that's not even including your keys and your dungeon routes. That's just getting yeah. like the main the items down, the main items. Mm-hmm. And I think that the longer that you have, the more, the more like you're going to get a route that's, you're going to win because you executed better and you had a better yes. route versus I was able to manipulate a notepad better than you. That That's kind of like what I'm getting at, right? Yeah, that's fair. I, I, I totally see that. Yeah. Well, man, look, we've gone, we've gone a really long time. Uh, so I, I'm going to, I'm going to give you the same three questions that uh, I, I give everybody. Uh, I'll, I'll kind of modify okay. this first one since you have been playing rando long, but um, what, uh, what's your most embarrassing moment in rando or NMG in this case? I'll, I'll open that up for you that you're willing to share. Um, I, I guess not really embarrassing, but kind of like where I've like forgotten the logic. Um, I guess a couple of things in, in NMG were <clears throat> when I was going for my 124, uh, I had two runs in a row and I'm bear in mind, I'm three months deep into this. So where I'm grinding every day and I, sure. and I got on a big run where I was, I think minus at the 15 going into GT and I mirrored out on mimics cause I forgot to swap to my bow. Oh, <laughs> so no. you're talking like, yeah, like I got to GT. I'm about to get the 124. <laughs> I've been draining for three plus months to get it. And I get to GT and I mirror out. <laughs> And then the very, very next run, um, I did the exact same thing in Swamp. I was an even better run. I was like minus 23 or 24 going into Swamp and I forgot to switch to the hammer and I mirrored the very next run. Two in a row. It was awful. And I have actually clips of it too. It was really, really bad. You can't even blame Quick Swap. (laughs) No, I can't even blame Quick Swap. I just forgot to pause. Oh man. Um, and in Randall, I would say probably so far. Okay. Two things. I'd say one, I did, I was in a pickup race where I went to GT with five crystals. That was pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard six. Five's yeah, a new yeah, one. I went, I, yeah. I went, five was pretty bad. Like that was really bad. Did you just like do TR you, and you, the NMG uh, kicked in and you ran over? <laughs> I, I don't know what happened, but I went there and I paused and realized I had five crystals. I was like, wow, this is a new low for me. <laughs> And then I think, um, another one in the mentor journey and one of my brackets races, I didn't, I didn't realize that you could, 
go through TR if you had the right key logic mm. without the fire rod. I remember hearing about this. Uh, uh, yeah, and yeah. Um, I, I, the fire rod was in Mimic Cave and I basically went to TR, I went to the torches room, realized I couldn't go through it, didn't think about going to like the next room in the chain chomps room. I just didn't think about it. So I mirrored yeah. out and left, full cleared the game, the whole everything. I did the ped, got to the ped. It wasn't the item. I was like, I had no idea what to do. <laughs> and I was like, I went to somewhere else and checked chest that I thought I'd maybe missed and then it then it dawned on me when I, I started to think about it and bear in mind this, you know at this point I'd, I'd lost the race like because it mm -hmm. was you know you had to go through TR and uh, right uh, yeah so I, I eventually went through TR and, and found the, the fire rod and, and finished off but that was it's probably one of the the worst logic reading things or the worst logic <laughs> reading lessons that I learned in Randall for sure. Oh yeah. Uh, that, that bites everybody <laughs> at some point. I think, uh, it, it bit you pretty early though in your Rando career. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's 0.7% chance that you have to go through chomps without a fire rod. For wow. Progression. That I haven't, I haven't looked at the math Apparently. on that. That's, that's wild. <laughs> Oh man. Well, thanks for sharing those. Um, so next question, and I'm not sure if you're even using these, but maybe are you, do you have a favorite MSU pack that you use while playing rando or do you just do the vanilla music? Uh, no, not definitely. Uh, I've got two that I like, uh, legend of Dragoon MSU okay. and secret, secret of mana MSU. Okay. They're, they're oh, yeah. And I, sure. I, I figured, uh, as soon as you said them, I'm like, okay, I know exactly why now. Um, so that, that's sick. <laughs> um, and lastly, uh, if you had to lose all your gaming memories, like not just rando, all of them, uh, but you're allowed to keep one, which one do you want to keep and why? I know this is a tough question. This is, this, this is a tough question, but I, I'm going to go with this one actually for a number of reasons. Um, and it's not what you might think. So obviously people would probably think, oh, you know, the, the 124 has got to be up there, that 124. And funnily enough, I got my 124 offline. I grinded for like three, four, five months to the point where it probably looked dodgy. I know a couple of my buddies, like I Moogle says like, like, you know, that looks really dodgy, man. Like you did like four months of attempt. You did like a couple of <laughs> offline runs and then posted a 124. Like that looks pretty dodgy. Too. And I was like, I don't even thought about it but yeah like the odd time i would just fire up an offline run and do it and I, I just happened to fire an offline run up and got a 124 and i was kind of like a moment that i shared with myself no one got to see the reaction but i was going crazy um, oh yeah so that was that would be up there with probably one of my my best speed running ones but i think if i was to lose them all and only have one it would have to be the time when me and my buddy, so my buddy Devin, I was talking about who used to live with me. <clears throat> we were playing Battlefield 1 one time. <laughs> and so in Battlefield 1, if you know how it works, you have, you know, teams of four or five. I can't remember how it works. And then you have multiple teams of four and five. Right. Um, playing all in one big server. There's like 64 players in the team versus 64 or 32. I can't remember how much it is. But we managed to get, I think, around 28 people and a call. Wow. All on one call, on the Xbox call, all in the same team. <laughs> 
fighting a <laughs> fighting against the other team. So pretty much like ninety percent of her team was in her Discord call. <laughs> or not Discord Xbox our party. Xbox wow. call. And 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 we and we lined everyone up like Braveheart. So all twenty of us <laughs> like lined up over this hill. <laughs> and we all just charged in at the same time. We all just like launched like smoke screens in and there was like so much like echo and stuff and people were feeding back in each other's <laughs> ears and like 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 people were laughing and people were crying like I was crying with laughter because I, I couldn't play because it was it was it was it was one of those ones you had to be there oh, and yeah. it was so funny like we went on a rampage and we came from like 200 down to win like by like 30 points or something like that wow and it was just one of those ones, like it just it was one of those ones, like me and my buddy were like laughing so hard that like we were crying, like we were like streaming <laughs> tears because it was so funny. Like it's just like imagine we shoved like twenty five people in a Discord call, and like with bad mics oh, and no. like there was yeah. echoing going on and there was screeching going on and we were trying to find out who the screeching was and there was people, someone's dog was going mental <laughs> and someone's mom was telling them they had to come for supper and we were like, Ma, come for supper. And he's like, I'm trying to play Call of Duty. Like, like this is all going on like at the same time in our ears oh while we're God. trying to play this game and like take this territory. And <laughs> it, it's one of my most fondest memories and like my, my friend doesn't live here anymore and we still keep in touch every now and then. But every time we get together, we have we have a few drinks we we always talk about that moment that's awesome it, it was it was just so darn funny at the time <laughs> i don't think they'll ever get ever be that experience again it was it was hilarious you talk about 20, 20 people in one voice call i just think of this like massive multi-world and rando and it's like abysmal then so i can only imagine uh, yeah what that's like oh yeah. my gosh uh, oh man well Bidey thanks so much for coming on man uh, I do appreciate you carving out all this time thanks for going along uh, a little longer than normal but uh, anything you want to plug or shout out now's the time um yeah I mean uh, like a shout out to my Randall team uh, PTM and Jossum uh, hopefully we we do well in the, the league and uh, you know I'll give a shout out to my family as always. Um, you know, love my wife, love my kids. They're they're very supportive. Like I said on the last last time, they're very supportive of my hobby, and um, you know, they're they're amazing. And uh, I wouldn't be here today doing what I do if it wasn't for their support. So massive shout out to them, and uh, yeah, shout out to you for yourself for um, having me on the podcast. Um, it's, I, like I told you, I, I, I like to talk, you, you know, you, you have to shut me up because I, I could talk all day long. It's not something that I struggle oh, with. No, so, dude. Uh, thanks for having me on. And, uh, yeah, hopefully everyone enjoyed it. And it, like I said, again, if people really want help with their execution, um, just DM me or, or, or come and join my discord. My discord is basically, uh, an execution nerd fest where we just talk about, um, Randall strats or, mm -hmm. or NMG strats all day long. So pop in there, you'll, you'll get help from someone. So awesome. Well, thanks again, man. Uh, this has been Bitey on the spoiler log. Thanks again to Bitey for carving out that time and coming on the show for us, uh, in two weeks, if everything goes to plan, as far as recording schedule, uh, we'll have Mr. Ed on the podcast. Looking forward to talking to Ed and hearing about his story. Ed's an interesting guy, so I'm really looking forward to what he can bring to the table. But that's going to do it for now. We'll see you guys in two weeks. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.